drop. Hold mics like ponytails tight and bobble ops. Stop, stick around, come through and dig the sound of the flop round 606 oh, cycle. Who throws a dick around? Bound to go to the flat. Came to destroy rap. It's an intricate plot of a b-boy strap. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Casting the Spotlight episode number 95 with our special guest here tonight, Jake Ashley. It has been a long time, but he's on tonight. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Man, it's been, yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen you, I don't even know how long. It's probably been graduation. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Oh, dude, like two weeks after I graduated, I shipped out for basic training. I was gone, dude. Yeah, and you were, I mean, you've been out of state pretty much since then. Yeah, I, I really haven't been in Missouri for much longer than a few weeks at a time since then, and yeah, I've been all around, dude. Tennessee, I was in South Carolina, Colorado, Georgia, just all over the place, really. What was your favorite? Mm, that's hard. Um, Colorado Springs is really rad. I was stationed at a base called Fort Carson. And we were right off the Cheyenne Mountains, so, like, right across the highway was where the basin of the mountain started. And it was just so cool to have that. Like, you woke up every morning, and you could see the clouds going over the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just so cool. Like, you'd see snow at the top whenever it was raining. You would see, like, snow forming in, like, June, you know. Like, just crazy stuff like that. Just really rad, man. Um, other than that, like, that Colorado was cool except for the weather. The weather gets pretty gnarly there. It's kind of rough. Yeah. <laughs> In what way? Just cold and snowy? Yeah, and it's really, uh, it's it's never like, it's either extreme or there's no weather like at all. You know, it's it's crazy. Uh, when I was there, we got hit with this like insane hailstorm. I'd never seen nothing like it. Like, <laughs> they were talking about how like exotic birds were dying at the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo and stuff. Because like, I'm serious. I got like a video on my phone of it. It was hail the size of, like, grapefruits. Yeah, dude. Jeez. We were looking out the windows of, like, the barracks parking lot. We were, like, stuck in the building. And you're just looking out in the parking lot where all the soldiers got their cars. And you're just watching them turn into golf balls. Like, <laughs> it's just crazy, man. That had to have done some fucking just brutal damage. Oh, yeah. I, dude, wildlife? Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> like, if you had a zoo or, like, an animal reservation or something, I would be flipping out. Oh, and it was just out of nowhere. Nobody knew how bad it was going to be, and it just started coming down. Like, you you have no idea, dude. They sent out hundreds and hundreds of, like, tax adjusters. The wind was getting crazy with that storm. Like, I've literally seen, like, videos in, in town Colorado Springs where, like, there was just shingles. It looked like a flock of birds flying in the wind and shit. Like, it's just crazy, dude. It was cool out there, though, like... The old dog bounty hunter lives out there, too. That was, that was cool. Never saw him, but it would have been rad to have. <laughs> yeah, he's like an... He's like an, kind of an old-school TV legend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Haven't heard his name in years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was He, like, like, makes a casual reference to Oh, yeah. It. <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, dog bounty hunter lived out there. Yeah, that pink Bail Bonds building is, like, in the middle of Colorado Springs. It's cool. <laughs> What about he got canceled? He probably said some crazy shit. Uh, I think, I think his wife had died from cancer. And you just left. I think so. Well, that's terrible. It doesn't make you sound terrible. Yeah, that <laughs> makes me sound like a sack of shit. Yeah, R.I.P. It was yeah. just. Dog, it was like, what was her name? Uh, 
I, I wasn't that big. Right, I'm dog just, bounty didn't wife. expect that to turn on you. Like yeah. that. I thought that it was going to be like, oh yeah, they were just done with the show and you decided like to 90%. not resign. Or that he said some dumb shit. I'll look it up. I don't want to be wrong on that. That's a big one. Well, I'm sorry, dog the bounty hunter. <laughs> Damn. That's pretty funny, though. Yeah, that's not the best look. But, man, I almost missed that She era. did pass. She uh, she had cancer. So you said Tennessee. You said Tennessee, Colorado, Georgia. Where else? Um, South Carolina. Are, uh, yeah, South Carolina. I ended up doing boot camp or basic training there. I feel like the nicest action. places would be, like, South Carolina or Colorado, um, even though that they're like opposite. You would I feel think like the weather would be. You would think South Carolina would be pretty cool, but we were like It'd be humid uh, as fuck. Uh, I was there in the summer too, like in July, so it was the heart of the summer. Mm-hmm. And we would do these little things called FTXs or field training exercises, and we'd be sleeping in these little one man tents, doing little fake missions all day long. Like they would give us like these like scenarios and stuff, and we would dig trenches and do all these little things, but people don't think about South Carolina is just pretty much sand and clay and fire ants. They fucking love them some dirt like that, dude. There was fire ants everywhere, everywhere, dude. I was taking like, we, uh, we, what was it when I was taking, um, I was taking my socks and I would take my sock and roll it actually straight over my boots and then just tuck my, um, my, uh, ACU bottoms, my pants into the socks so ants couldn't crawl up your legs because, like, dude, once they got in there, you're, you're fucked. Like, game over, dude. You're going to be on some. Yeah, you're going to be on some. <laughs> Fire ants, dude. Yeah, yeah dude. I don't fuck You're going to eat your shit up. Yeah, that, those are the only parts of the army where you start like, man, this place fucking sucks. <laughs> like, when you have to, like, live outside for a certain period of time. Yeah. Like, dude, I would have been so mad if I was stationed, like, Louisiana or something. Like, I would have just been pissed. Did you, looking yeah. back, looking back, though, now that you've been out for, you know, how long have you been I think I've been out for, I want to say, two years now, man. Was it, I mean, do you think it was a a necessary thing, like, that you had to go through in your life, like, to, it, get, to, to become who you are now? I mean, very much, was, dude. Very much. It, yeah. I... And a lot of people hate being told this when they're younger, but I really did think I knew it all. And when I went into that, and it's you're forced to grow up. You're forced to be accountable for yourself because, well, if you don't, you're not accountable for yourself. You're going to get fucked. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to get dropped, smoked, you're going to skull, get skull dragged, dude. Like, they're going to treat you like you're the biggest piece of shit ever. So if you don't adhere to the standards and like make sure you're showing up for yourself and like your own image and making sure you are being a good soldier just being a good person really is what it ties down to um it's just i i didn't really i didn't think i could learn anything and it really taught me a lot about myself in those Mm -hmm. high stress situations and just how it operates it really helped me a lot kind of grow i'd say like spiritually a lot yeah yeah, I know people have very differing opinions, it seems like. Yeah. I've went to the armed forces and any branch, it's like... And I also think it depends on what you end up doing while you're in there. You oh, know? absolutely, dude. There's you some just, really rad jobs, and there's yeah. some shit that's like I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy, you know? And it'd be the weirdest jobs, too, man. Like, I can't dog them, because it's still a job, dude, and they're still soldiers, but, like, 
Uh, there's jobs like field laundry specialists. I forget. What, I think they're called like ninety. Uh, I forget the MOS code for it. It's, it starts with a nine, but they they do laundry. You know, like that's what they do. They have like these field laundry machines. Like when you're sleeping out there for two, three weeks, that's what they do. They got water trailers and they have like tactical like trailers and it's laundry mat kind of deal. You know, like that's a job. And that would suck, man. Um, there's cooks. Yeah, like what are you learning? There, yeah, dude. When you do that, there's cooks that work in our dining facilities. We call them defects. And bro, like those hours are. Those are ass garbage hours because those kids got to yeah. come in and nobody, res- like, I hated it because a lot of people just show them no respect, man. Because, mm-hmm. like, oh, they're just cooks. They're just cooks. Yeah, I feel bad yeah. for the cook. I feel like Dude, they gotta, being a cook they, in the military, yeah, that's kind of cool. There ain't nobody, <laughs> there's nobody there to do the dishes for you. It's not like a restaurant kind of thing or anything like that. Like, <laughs> there's not somebody that's dedicated to that one thing. Nah, y'all all doing that. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. okay, you're coming in at 4 a.m., you're cooking breakfast, doing all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you might get a break during like lunch break or whatever. But those kids come in and they'll have to do dishes after all the food's been served for the day, and they'll get, leave there at like seven o'clock at night. Uh, military police—they're mm-hmm. also a bad one, man. Like they have no social lives. They have the craziest hours I've ever seen. When I was working on uh, gate guard, man, just scanning IDs, letting people on posts—it's like an extra detail you can get put on. I saw those dudes working crazy ass hours. Like they would have to come into work, some of them like midnight, but they would have to come in at like 9.30 that night and do PT before their shift and then go home and shower and come to work. Like it was, they were starting at 6.30. Uh, PT we would do at 6.30 in the morning on like a regular schedule. We'd go run or do muscle failure or whatever. But they were doing it like flipped. Cause I mean, they're, military police you know they have to there's a 24 hour cycle and they just keep going and going and going a lot of them motherfuckers that just man the shit they were telling me dude i just i couldn't believe the hours they were working it's tremendous yeah man that would get you so fucked up you're even saying that you woke up early as hell pretty much all the time right near the end oh yeah dude um i think yeah it was my last six months my unit had gotten hit with a rotation to go to, to Germany and go live in these old-ass German barracks and go do field training exercises with, like, the German army and a lot of our NATO allies. There was uh, there was a unit we had going to, like, Greece. There, we had people in Romania and Latvia, Lithuania, and stuff like that. And, like, it sounds cool. Those are really cool places I've never seen before. But I know that I'm going to go there, experience the culture for, like, 30 seconds, and then the rest of it I'm just going to be, like, knuckle dragging with everybody else in like the field doing fake war simulations i'm like i don't want to do that i have six months left in the army i volunteered to go to gate guard because nobody wants to do that shit it's it's ass so i did the training they do like all the it's almost like training to be like a what are they called a correction officer or like a like a prisoner or whatever you get maced all that you learn to do baton training and all this kind of stuff and they give you a, a gun, and so I carried a uh, six-hour nine mil every day when I was on the gates with a, at a baton, military-grade pepper spray, all that good stuff that I had to sign for in the morning, and we would just sit there with that, and uh, I did finish up that training. They they pepper spray you at the very end of the training, go ear to ear, and like, dude, that's the worst thing I've ever felt. It was in the middle of the summer too, and like, I got done. They spray you, and they make you run. They got dudes with, like, batons that you got to, like, 
push off, kind of like do like simulated kind of things that what you might run into on the gate. And then when you're done, you gotta like just fan your arms almost or walk. Well, dude, it hit me hard. I had to piss so bad after I got done running and got straight. I still had, my face was still orange, everything, dude. I went in this portageon that was at the parade field, and it, dude. It was in the 90s outside, so in a port it's going to be like 110. <laughs> yeah. I go in there to take a piss, and it just felt like my eyes were made out of, like, da bomb hot sauce or some <laughs> shit, dude. I was just like, holy fuck. Piss and sweat going yeah. down your eyes. Like, almost a burn. Ah! Yeah, it was almost a burn. Like, holy cow, it's almost numb now, you know? Jeez. Yeah. But I did that, and uh, I got put on swing shifts, or whatever the fuck they called it. I think it was swing shifts. I would show up at, like... 2.30 in the morning to do weapons draw, sign a hand receipt, sign for all the equipment to kind of say, hey, I'm responsible for this, this serials, or serialized item, this. And uh, we'd go do our briefing and all that, take over the gates at like 4 a.m. I'd get off work at like 12.30. But at that point, I'd already started the tattoo apprenticeship. I'm just like, I really want to do this, so I'm going to be dedicated to it. I'd get off at 12.30, and the studio would open up at 2.00. So I'd go home, shower, change, get to the shop just early enough to open up the studio, get the music playing, get the lights on, all that kind of stuff, get it ready just for daily operations. And I would stay there till close, till 10 o'clock every night. There's nights I stayed there till 1 in the morning, man, because tattoos were getting done or people weren't done. And I did like six straight months of like three to four hours of sleep a night. And it was rough, but it was worth it. It was worth it. Well yeah. worth it. And the time to grind like that, though, and get just horrible hours of sleep is mm-hmm. whenever you're young, not whenever you're 16. Oh, dude, I couldn't do it now. <laughs> I, that was only, shit, that was only three years ago, dude, and I couldn't do it now. Like, fuck no, dude. Yeah. I look back at that. I'm still in my, like, just stretching it fucking thin and, like, oh, yeah. whether I'm eating a lot or not, whether I'm sleeping a lot or not, but just going and going and going and going and going. Oh, dude. Once you dial Sometimes in, Sometimes you like, have you can... to when you have early hours, though. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, that shit takes a lot out of you, man. And, yeah. like, you get used to it after a while, but then you finally have that kind of relaxation. And I didn't know what to do myself, dude. When I signed out on terminal leave, and I could, like, sleep in for the first time in, fuck, six years, something like that, like, sleep in consistently, I didn't know what to do, bro. It's like what they say, I don't know what to do with my hands. You know, like, what do I do? Because for the longest, I was, I was in such a disciplined, well-constructed, almost machine-like thing the military Mm -hmm. and you throw I threw myself into tattooing which is like literally the closest thing to being a modern day pirate that you could be and I'm just like dude what the actual fuck I don't I don't get it like you get treated like an adult they don't tell you what to do like you just do it's the first time in my life where it's like I have to show up for myself I'm not showing up to work so my boss won't get mad Mm -hmm. I'm showing up for me (laughs) oh wow and it's a weird kind of realization that I had to come to but it was cool man but you see, you're one of the people that's actually doing what you love to do. Yeah. yeah like, you would be, whether you were making, like, whether whatever you were making, you you, you know, you said it yourself, like, you you want to do tattooing anyways. Like, you Absolutely. Love, you love doing it. Yeah, it's like, I don't necessarily have to work um, in what I'm doing, and I don't, I don't know, I, I just can't not do it. Ever since I've started, man, I've always had such a, tr- a problem with slowing down my mind and really just kind of being carefree in a healthy kind of way um but when i started tattooing i really i don't know it slows down the world for me man it makes my mind work like i would like it to work 
Mm-hmm. I just feel like there's nothing else that's happening. It's the coolest thing in the world. It's almost like a trance-like state. When I start something, dude, it, I, when I start a tattoo, I'm not one of those guys It's like, I'll do this part of it, and then you come back for another appointment. Like, I, if I sit down and start that, I have to finish it, man. Mm-hmm. I get in this, like... I get in this groove. I, like, mentally prepare myself for every last one. And, like, I just, I don't know. I turn on my music, and it's like the world stops around me, and I'm just doing my thing. I'm in a different place. It's cool, man. Well, it feels good to, like, anything you're doing to kind of, you know, like, that's a goal. You're like, fuck, how am I going to, how am I going to, like, do this? Or how am I, like, like if you have a a challenging tattoo Mm -hmm. or whatever, like, you know, it's always kind of like there's a next thing to check off. Like you're like, like fuck, I gotta do. Like you gotta execute a goal. Like you have to accomplish something. Yeah. And like it feels in anything you're doing, it feels good to do that because you get some sort of dopamine from that anyway. Absolutely, like, like, man. man. Like, Absolutely. and the more you want the next challenge, like, yeah. the next thing you have to do. My whole thought process with, like, when people bring me designs or bring me like references or anything like that, mm-hmm. and they're like, I want to get this, and it's just like a photo of a tattoo. I take that imagery, and I know this sounds crazy, but I I only draw out the line work. That's it. I don't like to take my... I don't like to sit there and take um, my iPad and, like, digitally render out, like, my shading, digitally render out my color blends or anything like that. I only do the outline or the drawing. But when I look at that imagery, I kind of like to think about what I think it would look like in my head, how I picture this in my head, and I take that, and that's what I try to apply to my tattoo, is what I'm seeing in my own head. I feel like I, when I do that, I not only do my best tattoos, I'm doing my most authentic kind of work. I'm really giving people a, really a piece of me, almost. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really it's a fulfilling thing when in people your give me that trust. Of, yeah. yeah, in your vision. Yeah. And they're putting that trust in you. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that seems like a wild job for that reason. It like, really is. People, that's like, it's like a big thing for people to come oh, to yeah, you it and is. like let you it is. let you put something permanent on their body that they want yeah. Oh, yeah. and expect you to do a well enough job that it's in their image it's going to be what they're expecting you know what i mean there's it's enough like, I, I would and say, every yeah. every person's different like every Absolutely. client is going to be a completely different thing it would never get boring but there's enough pressure there there's enough pressure there for you not that you like would but like there's enough pressure there for you never to like there's never a time and you can just ease up and take it like you have to constantly be dialing oh, what you're doing because it's a big thing to put something on somebody's oh, body yeah. and I, dude I'm yeah, super analytic just... with everything when it comes to like tattooing so like I, I'm a tattooer myself man and mm-hmm. I see all these guys that I've worked with in the past and like I've worked with them present and stuff. I'm like, dude, they can function so well, like so, so well, smoking so much more weed than I can even handle personally. I'm just like, holy cow. Because, like, seriously, I can't – I don't tattoo stoned. I can't do it. I just – I'm – it's just not me, dude, because I get – I can't get in that rhythm. I can't get, like – I can't portray what's in my head into the tattoo because I'm too worried about, like – Yeah. I feel like five minutes has been 40 minutes kind of thing, yeah. you know, because it's like, oh, shit – and it's like, oh, maybe we should say something. Maybe this is awkward for them. You know, have maybe f- have not spoken for 30 seconds, but I feel like it's been an hour. You would have you know? to figure out your brain chemistry, yeah. like, high versus oh, yeah. sober, oh, yeah, <laughs> and then figure out how to do it. Once I go done with the line work, though, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm cool. And I, can, I can get stoned for, like, shading. That's fine. But not the line work, dude. That's the most important part of the tattoo. Yeah. All of it's important, obviously, but... 
No, yeah, I really emphasize the lines, man. It's the most. I, I love doing line work. Yeah, if you fuck that part up, the shading yeah, doesn't you, matter. Yeah, you, <laughs> because it's, it's like already you build a, a shoddy foundation for a house. I don't care if you put the prettiest house on top of it. It's gonna be a shithole. You know, it's gonna be a roll of marble from the living room to the fucking kitchen. Like <laughs> one gust of wind. Yeah, it's really so right. Warm. Yeah, that's a like good. It. That's, <laughs> that's a good. Bit. Like it. Yeah, dude. Metaphor though. Oh shit. Yeah, that. I, I couldn't imagine getting stoned to try to fucking put something permanent on Fuck somebody's body either. Oh no, that's too much pressure, dude. I, I like I like going into a real calm, cool, collected. Cause I, I I don't get nervous for tattoos really anymore, man. Like I remember when I first started, I was like, oh my god, oh my god, and I can look back at those first tattoos that I ever did when I was nervous and see all the has. I, I look at the, the the design and the tattoo that I did and see all the flaws. Yeah, there's flaws. But all I see is hesitation. There, that's where the the flaws are born. It's the hesitation of what I was doing, second guessing myself. Mm-hmm. Now I don't even think about it. I just start it. I don't think about like putting that needle in the skin. I don't think about how I'm doing. I just do it. I mean, it's just whenever you get to that point and you're just confident in what you're applying technically, it kind of frees up your creativity. You know, you can kind of free your mind with that, which is cool, man. It just takes a second to get there. Mm-hmm. But you got to get past the, like the nervousness and oh, the, yeah. into the comfortability oh, of yeah. able to do it. And once you can do that, like once you get past those stages, you know, f- really for anything, like you can, you can start to express yourself instead Absolutely. of just trying to like establish yourself. Yeah, but you almost have to like brand yourself independently as almost like a businessman because mm-hmm. every tattoo artist is going to give you a different product. It all that matters is really. If you're able to, one, keep your word on your quality and able to execute on what you're doing and how you treat the people, man, it's, that's really, it's like being, almost like being a car salesman, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be personable, you gotta be able to sell yourself and sell yourself accurately, but if you don't take the time to do that and you're not honest with people and just go out of your way to make sure your clients are comfortable because they're coming to you with trust and everything like that, the least I can do is treat you like a human being and not think I'm better than you because there's a lot of pretentiousness that comes along with, with jobs like this. And, you know, you got people that have horror stories of just getting treated like shit or it being rough or whatever, man. And, like, I don't know. Okay. I just, I'm, I'm a soft-hearted guy, man. I like to treat everybody like like they're my family when they come in. Like, if y'all saw my station, man, I got it set up like I got all my own art and I got all my eclectic, like, clunky art, like, taxidermy, all that kind of stuff. But I try to make it as homey as possible. So just everybody's as comfortable, and it's just a calm environment, you know? Mm-hmm. Give somebody something special. It's not something where you're like, here. <laughs> it's not like that classic biker shop vibe, you know? I don't want to portray that to anybody, because that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. Kind of give a different look to what it can be like to get tattooed, I guess. Yeah, I could see that being a position, too, where, like, like you said, pretty much everybody in it, is kind of like living their dream anyways. Yeah. And if they're really, really good at it, I could see if they have that personality type, people getting a big head about it and kind of being yeah. a dick. Because they're like, oh, I'm a fucking badass, dude. I, I'm like my own dude. Yeah, like you yeah. said, it's kind of like a modern-day pirate. Like you're just like, I can it's, I it's just pretty... come in, do art on people's skin all yeah. day, and then go home. Doing something you enjoy doing, like spending hours and hours on it. Oh yeah, it's it's a lot like you know, in a lot of jobs, the outcome of your career is all in your your court. But there's 
it's truly like that with tattooing because we're we're independent contractors at the end of the day you know we're kind of subcontracted by the tattoo shop mm-hmm. whether that you pay booth rent on a monthly basis or you do a percentage of sales regardless you're almost like you're subcontracted to provide that to people that come in you know each station is like its own independent business because mm-hmm. you brand yourself as an artist um, and once people get used to you and they trust you and stuff, they'll come back for another tattoo yeah. and be like, hey, I want this now, you know, because they saw the work you did before. Oh, absolutely, dude. I've not, dude regular is like yeah. anywhere. You know what One I mean? person can turn into a hundred different clients, man, because mm-hmm. you got to think about how many different people are going to see that tattoo. Yeah. I mean, their family and stuff like that. So, like, that's why it's really important to just put your heart in every tattoo that you do because it's, it's literally free advertisement if you do it the right way. That's all it is. And it's kind of cool, too, because every tattoo from every artist is going to be different because every artist has their own style. No matter, like, if it's, like, drawing, painting, like, any kind of art, including tattooing, Mm -hmm. I'd imagine. Like, everybody's going to make whatever design a little bit different. Absolutely, man. And I love that concept, too. Like, one of my favorite artists coming up was Tom DeVita. And he's a real old head tattooer. He was tattooing in New York before it was legal. He was doing it like speakeasy style out of his house. He had a room when you first walked into his house. It was twenty dollar designs and ten dollar designs. That'll tell you the date. You know, it's like seventies time frame that he's doing this kind of stuff. And or it might have even been earlier than that. I may be way wrong on that, but because he was he was a pretty old dude. But there's this quote from him where he said that. It pretty much to sum it up, he said that like you can't just claim somebody's meat suit as your canvas, right? Every single time they get tattooed by somebody else or you tattoo them and they already have a bunch of tattoos from someone else, it's like a collaboration with each artist. It's like you're all working together unknowingly on this one canvas. It's it's yeah. it's a cool concept. I it think. is that is cool to think about. Somebody can have 200 different people to tattoo. Absolutely, man. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) There was this dude in the circuit for... I think he was in it for a hot minute. I don't know if he still is. He's called the Enigma. And I I don't know if it's his whole body or most of his body. He had tattooed in the shape of puzzle pieces. Mm -hmm. And he would just have people fill in his puzzle pieces. Like just random people. Other tattoo artists, stuff like that, but his whole body was all just all tattoos. It's I crazy. think I've seen pictures of that guy. Yeah, I think he was in like Ripley's Believe or Not stuff. Yeah. The Enigma. Yeah, that's <laughs> what a name. Yeah, that's, that that's what he went by, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so he had a, he so somebody he had somebody draw out all the lines for the puzzle, like the puzzle. Yeah, and, and you then, have, yeah. And then, so that guy got to do, or whoever got to do everything. And then, well, if you're that guy, I'd be like, I get to fill out the first puzzle piece. I oh yeah, the whole puzzle for sure. Yeah, oh, yeah. Here he is. He's got, <laughs> he's got some crazy, crazy horns implanted in oh, his yeah. forehead. Yeah, like, be like nile, like, like tongue yeah. is split and shit. It's his whole body. He like, does no, like these like, like <laughs> he does those crazy <laughs> freak show things at like tattoo conventions and shit, where they put like drills in their noses and like sword swallowing and stuff. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that's him. Body. Yeah, what's the, part, <laughs> like, what's the point of that? Like, why would they do that? He looks like I don't know. It's like <laughs> <laughs> no, he looks <laughs> like he's in Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of funny. But there is some people though that are just tatted up, man. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Travis Barker, Wiz Khalifa, like. 
Oh, Rodman, Barker had to have yeah. a lot of his tattoos redone too. He's gotten that done almost two times. Yeah. He got burnt up in that crash. Remember, he lost a bunch of tattoos. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Lost them. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like even thinking about that. I yeah. heard it's pretty rough to get tattooed on things like skin grafts and stuff like that. Like yeah. I can't even imagine, dude. Because cartilage and scar tissue and nerve damage, like all those things, dude. What's like, I mean, do you, like, for the scar tissue thing, like, what do you, is it, I mean, I guess it depends on, like, the scar or whatever, or, like, I mean, but are you, do you get, like, do you try to avoid doing that? No. Is, dude, is there some no. sort of, like, how, how does that make it different is what I was kind of wondering. There's certain workarounds with it. Um, it is a little bit of a different kind of skin to work with, because yeah. you got to think it's essentially the same thing. It's like a keloid. It doesn't really stretch. Because people get scar, like mm-hmm. people get tattoos on scars to cover them up all the time. Too. Absolutely, and mm-hmm. you can do that most certainly. You just have to be careful. You just have to be careful because it's a it's a little mm-hmm. bit more sensitive. It'll get yeah. swollen easier and stuff like that. What I always tell people is to just take like vitamin E oil, and vitamin E oil is really, really it's just it's nourishing for the skin, mm-hmm. and it helps that scar heal to the best of its ability. It's as healed as it's gonna get. Yeah. You know, like once your scars are starting to turn kind of like a more of like a white color and they stop looking pink and stuff that's when they're fully healed generally Mm -hmm. so i'll be able to go in depending on how severe it is and stuff and do what i need they're usually white and shiny oh yeah 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 man i'm kind of lucky in the fact that i mean Knock wood. Like, I don't feel like I, I mean I have scars for sure because mm-hmm. I mean how are you going to be our age and not have some scars? Oh yeah. Like, most of the ones that I have that are rough are from the accident. And everything. Oh really? I have, like multiple like my hands and shit like that. But I mean now it's just it's they look years. like they healed up. That was great. That was the first thing. Yeah, that was the like the first thing he said earlier. He's like, oh man, last time I saw it was going on. With, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, mean, I, I feel like that's for you know, that's like the one. Yeah, that's like the one thing everybody knows that's like most recent or if they know, haven't they seen you yeah. in years. Um, for a long time, I didn't think they were gonna heal up very well, and then they finally all kind of did. Uh, but I've wondered that to you before because I'm like, I, I like obviously I'm I'm still a blank canvas. I still yeah. haven't fucking gotten. I'm not even opposed to it. I just know that I'm like once I pull that trigger, I know that I'm gonna like I'm gonna really want more mm-hmm. too. Because, like, that's just the way it's going to go. That's how it was for me, too, man. I filled up so fast. So, so fast. Mm. And it was just cool. You know, it was, like, part of the culture. Like, everybody was getting tattooed when I was in the Army. It's like, Mm. I look back at it now, I was like, damn. There's some shit I shouldn't have got tattooed. I should have waited. Because there's so many cool tattoo artists out there now. And it's like, I want to get tattooed by as many phenomenal artists as I can now while I'm young. Because while they're tattooing me, in doing... The tattoo, I can watch what they're doing and replicate techniques and mm-hmm. learn off of that. I'm a visual learner at the end of the day. Do it as I, early as you can. Yeah, dude. Yeah. You get tatted by them, yeah. I got some skin, but the only skin I got open is the shit that sucks, like my stomach and back and shit. That's gonna... Ribs. And my thighs. Yeah, it's not gonna... <laughs> You're like, alright. Everything that sucks, you know. You're gonna, gonna have to take it. <laughs> get that face tat. <laughs> No face tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> Gone fishing right above the eyebrows. So pretty much you're open to like almost anything except you're you're just yeah yeah pretty yeah. much. So right now I kind of have this like morality guide. Like I, I always tell everybody like I'll do your tattoo for you, but I won't do anything that'd make your grandma cry. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I try to make it to where it's something that's not going to be something that's upsetting for 
your loved ones to see and stuff like that, like face tats. If you're covered oh. all the way the fuck up, you already got face tats. That's kind of a different story. I thought you, know? you meant what kind of tat. Like, it was just something like, uh, <laughs> that you didn't agree with that you didn't want to do. There's, there's only, like, one that I've ever ran into with that. And this, yeah. this one soldier had come into the shop and he wanted to get, um, I think it was Baphomet. And I don't, I don't care what you want to get, man. I'm yeah. not going to judge you for what you're going to get. But it was, it was an image of Baphomet, which is like a depiction of Satan. It's mm-hmm. like a the head of goat. It's got tits. It's, it's kind of crazy looking, but yeah. it, uh, it was holding a baby by its feet, and there was blood running down its arm. And it, just something about that, I was just like, dude, that makes me really uncomfortable. I'm good. You're like, yeah, this is uh this is a little much. Yeah. At least you're honest. At least you're honest about it. Yeah. Yeah, man. And you know, there's there's artists out there that'll knock that out that'll be super stoked to do it. Yeah. It's just that's their prerogative, you know. Yeah. Like I, I like to I'm sure you've done things that are that are definitely toeing the line or edgy as fuck that you're oh. just like, fuck it, I'll do that. Oh yeah, dude. When there's nothing going on and stuff, yeah. yeah. I mean there's things I'll try to you know, not do. Yeah. I, I, you learn things when you first start tattooing. You like you want to learn like there's little things you never think about, like gang tattoos. The, there's certain designs that you have to be careful with. Mm-hmm. Like okay, I think it's the Latin Kings. It's a really popular design to have crowns. They use crowns in their tattoos. There's a specific number of points to the crowns in a Latin King crown, and then there's just a regular crown tattoo. But if they have that number of points. And they see somebody that's affiliated with them, and they see that that that's not a good time, you know. Like you don't want to <laughs> you don't want to be repping something that you're not knowingly repping, yeah. you know? Because yeah. it's like, oh no, I don't have anything to do with that. That's that's a little dangerous, but like, especially with soldiers, man. Those kids get in trouble for stuff like that, like really, yeah, because they're just ah oh, fuck it, let's get another tattoo. There's not much to do. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I could see that being a thing, though. Like, but what if a a known like what if a gang member it was a gang member and they came in and they specifically asked for something that was gang affiliated? Would you do it? Like, would you be like, oh fuck it, they're asking for it? No, man, I just can't put that on my name. Like, I, that, yeah. it's not it's not about like my own personal image, but it's about how I feel at the end of the day. Morally, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta. I don't know, man. I I'm, I sound like a Boy Scout. Like I'm trying to be all no. I mean, I mean it makes sense because I'm sure it's not as like pretentious as like it. You know, if somebody's like, oh, he's got like some sort of. It's not like you have restrictions. But you got to be like honest with yourself. At the end of the day, you're like, yeah, there's probably certain yeah, lines man. you won't cross. Yeah, I just, and everybody, yeah. I'm sure those lines are different for everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's just everybody's like it's just like having yeah. rules, man. You bend them once for somebody, then you got to yeah. bend them for everyone if it's going to be fair. Yeah. And I don't. I'm not going to do that, man. I'm just going to stick with what I do. Yeah, you know, I've I've been having a good time. Doing well, and I'm sh- and, and I'm sur- I'm sure by and large, like nobody is that absurd with it either. No, you know by and large, no. I'm sure it's the same. Like people are just asking for whatever's personal yeah. to them or, or what they're yeah. whatever they really like. You know? And I'm tattooing in Fenton, dude. I'm not, yeah. you know, I'm not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Coming in there, oh yeah. Yeah, dude. It's, it's yeah. yeah, it's like ah. <laughs> got some like a little white dude just walking in, hey, man. Just like trying to get a gang tattoo. Be like, you know what? I'll do it. Nah, fam. <laughs> no, I've been getting to you do don't a want lot that of like either. a lot of lettering lately, and I've really been enjoying it. Honestly, really yeah. been enjoying it. I love getting to do lettering, man. And this, I've gotten to do it a lot here, and it 
lettering is important in tattooing. It really teaches you the fundamentals of line work and just how to do the best saturated black lines you can. Because if it's not sharp, that lettering is going to look like caca in a year, you know? So yeah. I just try to make my stuff look as printer-esque as possible. Because in doing so and putting as much effort into that, people see that, man. People see that I'm putting my heart into that. I'm, I mean, that's just... That's what I love, and I'll get that shit rocked out, and people see that, and they're like, damn, he put, really puts a lot into what he does. That's when people start gaining that trust, mm-hmm. you know, and all and I need is... spread the word. Yeah, dude. You should go check this guy out. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, once you get that trust, man, and you give me that, that gives me almost like a second sense of confidence. It's just even more amplified than what I had before and what I was doing, and it just makes me more comfortable. I don't care what the genre of tattoo is, what the style is, or whatever, it just... When I have that confidence that I know that you trust me, dude, it's it's the best feeling at the end of the day because you get done with the tattoo and they're exudingly happy and they're just like, man, I only, you're my guy, yada, 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 and all that kind of stuff that you hear. It's just, it's really, it's almost heartwarming, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's, it's cool, dude. You, you get to a point where some clients start to almost feel like family members mm-hmm. to a point. It's cool, man. I can see that because you are like, like we even said, it's kind of like, it's a big moment for a lot of people yeah. to come and get a tattoo. So, like, you're kind of, you're doing something pretty important to people a lot of times. Whether the tattoo is a really meaningful one or not, it's like, yeah. it's going to be on them forever. So, mm-hmm. like, in a moment like that, somebody's going to remember it their whole life. Yeah. Like, I do this thing, and this might be weird, but, like, I'll see, like, these real old, like, army vets or whatever you see the dudes that are like ring bell for salvation army and stuff mm-hmm. dude they all have really cool american traditional tattoos on them but they're all mad old they're like 50 60 year old tattoos so yeah they, they kind of look not too hot right now because they're super <laughs> aged but uh, dude, i'll stop and i'll take pictures of them yeah i'll stop and because those dudes they walked into a studio and they paid like 50 cents a dollar $1.52 for these really cool tattoos back when tattooing was super primitive. And their skin was, you know, not loose as all Yeah, hell. dude. They picked yeah, it right off. Tattooing back then, that wasn't no, like, custom work type shit. It was, like, real production-style tattooing where you walk in, they have designs on the wall that you pick, and that's mm. all you're getting. So all these old dudes got these really rad, like, panthers, daggers, roses, and the, I really relate and, I guess, kind of align with traditional work as a whole so like i'll take pictures of their tattoos and i'll just redraw them and how i would want them to look and it gives me ideas for like new designs man because it'd be cool for me in concept to take those paint them somebody pick it off of there and get tattooed it's like a never-ending cycle if Mm -hmm. that makes sense you know like it started off with me getting a picture of this guy this old head that was getting tattooed you know i've stopped and take pictures of like Uh, There was this dude in Tennessee, I lived in this small town named Dover, Tennessee for a while after I got out of the army, and I was at the gas station, the sudden service by my house, and this old, old dude walked in, man, and he was, he had been 80-something. He had love and hate with a rosary on the top of his hands. I was like, dude, where did you get that? I think he said, like, Vietnam or something like that, dude, and he said he was in the army and all this stuff, and he was like, tell me all about it, and like... The, the significance behind him getting that, the memory, the story, it all wraps up in, like, his life story of his, mm-hmm. like, early 20s and everything that he did while he was in the military. So, like, it's cool that he carried that. I get to see what potentially my clientele will be like 
mm-hmm. in 50 years from where I first started tattooing and like what I'm able to give to people as a story because he mm-hmm. got the story from the people that tattooed him. Yeah. Yeah, that's a neat. <clears throat> I was kind of thinking about that like uh, maybe the other day, like once you know you were next, obviously to guest. Yeah. And stuff. I was thinking about like the tattoo aspect, like because, like a lot of times, you know, we go through the days, the weeks, and like how much of it is really truly like that memorable. Mm-hmm. But like when you go get a tattoo, like for the most part, I'm sure some people are a little wild or they don't remember, you know, whatever for for one reason or another. But for the most part. Like, you're going to attach a certain, like, time in your life or, you know, uh, the reason for getting it or just something you're going to attach to it. Like, automatically, every single one of them is going to have a story. Oh, you know yeah, I mean? dude. And, like, because they're on you, like, you'll always have, you'll always be able to remember something about that. Oh, yeah, man. If Like, for me, if I have a client that can go 10 years down the road and not remember who did the tattoo that's on them... Mm-hmm. That means I didn't do my job right at all, dude. It's a good way to look at it. Yeah, man. It's like, I like to leave an impact, dude. I like to be as positive as I can and just, like I said, treat people like people, dude. I just want it to feel like family at the end of the day because if I'm not respecting y'all, then who am I going to respect? Because in doing my tattoos and you coming to me, y'all help me keep my bills paid. Mm -hmm. Y'all help me get my, my gas in my car, groceries in my fridge, you know, like, I rely on that, and if I can give the best product that I can give, I just know I ain't never going to have no worries, and I get to live my dream. For real. It's cool, man. Yeah. You're a cowboy out there. Doing your own thing. It's kind of cool, man. There's, like, no... There's nothing really truly assigned. Like, everything is just... it's, It's free. It's really hard to adjust to that. Like I said, like... I, it took me so long to kind of realize that I show up to work for me. Mm-hmm. It, it's, that's such a weird concept to wrap your head around well, after you get into like a really, really, really like disciplined thing like I was in. It's just so hard to adjust to that. It's, it's really different. It really is. But it's been really liberating. It's just hard to keep up with the responsibility behind it because it's so relaxed. But like it is one of those jobs where you're taking work home every day. Every day. Because you got to draw, 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 draw. Even if you ain't got appointments. If you ain't drawing, you ain't getting better, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's like even transferring jobs, like in my life, like going from one thing to another, like it feels like a drastic change a lot. But like you really did go through a drastic change. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, dude, I was telling me There's a bunch of dudes in that town that did stuff like that, but that was na- that was that was that was pretty good character development. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. I got both sides of it, man. I went from like the most like clean cut, like uptight people ever to like working with people that had some crazy wild ass felonies, dude. I was like, I'm the only one in the tattoo shop with no criminal record. Like I ain't never had cuffs on, man. Like <laughs> I feel like that at my work, and I'm a trans man. <laughs> Like, it seems like every new guy, it's like, hey, man, what's up? And then by the end of the day, they're telling you, like, oh, yeah, man, I was in jail five years. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Well, see, you went through all that, and now you're, like, you know, once you got into, like, season seven, you're like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tattoo it all the time now. Pretty much, or yeah. I started my apprenticeship while, like, my last <laughs> year in the Army. So, 
I, like I said, I was going every day after work, whenever I could, all that good stuff, spending my time doing it. Um, so I was pretty checked out for my last year. You know, I was going from 6.30 in the morning, you know, 0, 6.30, you better be standing in line. We're going on a five-mile run, blase, blase, blah, all that good stuff. I would do that during the day, but at night, dude, I was an apprentice. I was a tattoo apprentice. I wasn't a soldier. I didn't tell nobody I was in the Army. Nothing. I didn't tell a single client, man. This was before I was tattooing because I was, like, solely dedicating myself to this because I just felt... I felt like I was in the right spot. Like, for the first time in my life, I felt like I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. So, I'm up in there. I don't tell nobody I'm a soldier, man, but I work my tail off. I learn how to run that front desk. I learn how to do all those little things and stuff and, like, just dedicate all of myself to it. I gave everything I had to tattooing, and tattooing gave it back tenfold. Because it's really one of those things where, like, you get back what you put in. So I dedicated every little bit of what I had, and I would go, like, to work with the soldiers and stuff like that, and I would be like I wasn't a soldier, you know? Because I'm, like, chilling, like, all these dudes are smoking, like, blunts with wax in it and all these cr this crazy shit in between their tattoos or whatever, like, hanging out with motherfuckers like that, and it's Especially like... Especially in Colorado. Uh, yeah, Colorado. yeah. Oh, well, I started my apprenticeship in Tennessee, actually, oh, yeah. when I was at Fort Campbell. I was there with the 101st Airborne for, like, almost three years, I think, but... I'd get off work and go do that, and all these dudes would just be doing stuff like that. And I'm like, what the hell? What the hell? This is so different. This is way different than the yeah, that'd barracks. That'd be tough. Oh yeah, dude, it's well, crazy. Still in the army. Super like counterculture. Like it would. It was very conflicting. Very strange. So I inherently I became like a shithead soldier. Like dude, I was lazy as fuck. <laughs> oh my god. I would like. Sh we called it shamming. I would hide. You know, I was an E4. I wasn't, like, the lowest guy on the total <laughs> pole. So, oh, my God, dude. I would be like, oh, I got an appointment. i go sit in my car for, like, three hours and draw or whatever, like, in the AC. Everybody else is in the motor pool working on Humvees or whatever. It's like, oh, I did my time. Fuck that. You know? <laughs> I've been here for years. Yeah. <laughs> I get to chill now. Three long years. You know, it's like, man. No, I'd like checked out, and I know that sounds awful, man, but I, I knew what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. So, I just, I don't know, I kind of let go and just wrote out my time, you know, and I get out and I start doing full-time tattoos this, the very day that I was, uh, the very day that I signed out on terminal leave. It's the first day that I just went straight into work. I woke up at 6.30, signed out on leave, grabbed all my shit packed it in my fucking car i ended up getting a house for rent out there in dover um i had a roommate that was a tattoo artist at the shop my homie tony and we were just living there and i was just tattooing full time dude i had a mattress on the floor with no no frame nothing like spam rice whatever yeah. like dude i was i was poor as shit because i was just an apprentice i wasn't making shit you know i my work worth wasn't really worth shit at that point because i didn't know what the fuck i was yeah. doing you know you don't there's a point where you realize, oh, I kind of understand what I'm doing now. But yeah, that'd be tough. That seems like that'd be the hardest part would be starting. Oh, dude, yes. Like, you trip, like, you could be the how best. How do you get to the level of the people that are already doing it, yeah. you know? I've seen people that, like, can sit there and do these, like, charcoal renderings of, like, photos and do photorealistic renderings. Like, be able to, like, recreate a photo in charcoal or do it with graphite or do it with painting colored pencils whatever and dude they go to do their first tattoo and I'm, that's when you see people look the most defeated 
But that's why your first tattoo generally is supposed to be on yourself. You know, it's not because you're, oh, you're supposed to have a bad tattoo, but how fair would it be to someone else, even if they volunteer, mm-hmm. for you to do their first tattoo on them when you know that first one that you do is going to be the worst one you've ever done? So most people got to wear theirs. That's why I wear mine, man. And plus, yeah. you want to know how it feels or what you're doing from your hand so yeah. you have a concept of how you're making people feel. Because you know what it feels like to get tattooed when you're an apprentice. Generally, you have tattoos. But That's you don't fair. know how you're making other people feel from your own hand, so uh-huh. you want to know that, you know? That's pretty fair, though. Yeah, you got you should do your first one on skin on you. Oh, dude, yeah. Like, yeah. And they're usually just dog water tattoos like what I got this trident you know you, earlier you were like oh it doesn't look that bad it's 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 pretty bad comparatively but I mean like meshed in with everything it looks you know yeah it's like not it that noticeable like, yeah, like, yeah I've got some funny ones too like I got Krillin on a tarot card my buddy Sean did I got yeah I thought that was Krillin but I was like yeah is that a middle finger with an ass? Yeah, dude. <laughs> so this is actually, uh, this is some really, the first person that drew out this design, I believe, was this dude named Stony St. Clair, and he's one of my favorite tattoo artists just about ever. He's one of the most severely handicapped people I've ever seen in my life. Dude looks, he might have been like three foot something, and his hands are all curled in like he almost has like some kind of like muscular problem or almost like a cerebral palsy kind of thing where his mm. hands were all tensed and crazy man and he was in a wheelchair and this dude was bumping tattoos bumping tattoos he tattooed Ed Hardy you know this dude was like uh. this dude was cool man I, I really love tattoo history I really try to like keep up on that as much as possible because I don't want to let it like die you know uh. I at least want to have it in my head because there's some real greats that I really really look up to that we're kind of pioneers, man, because, I mean, back in the day, like, this shit was, like, some carny stuff, you know? Like, like real counterculture. Oh, yeah, dude, like, the traveling circuses back in the day, <laughs> that's where you'd go to get a tattoo, and they were tattooing, like, 12-year-olds back then and shit, just doing it. You know, there was no, there was a lawless, real lawless land, you know? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, boy, yeah, and yeah. shit, they didn't give a fuck. <laughs> that's what it was. And they had that's Clown's why hounds taking him into the fucking back room. And shit. Oh yeah, like that <laughs> at whole, least it was they're just getting a tattoo. <laughs> that whole nickname <laughs> tradition. You'll meet with tattoo artists. They go by these crazy, strange names that have these like nicknames or anything like that. It's just like a stage name, dude. That started in the circus. It started with that, dude. They would call themselves all kinds of shit, like professor or doctor or whatever. And it was, yeah, dude, it was just, it's it's funny. It's funny. It was like there's this whole persona to it, which is, I mean, it's cool at the end of the day, but it's yeah. a lot different now. <laughs> we love wrestling. Same thing. It started as like a carnival act. Yeah, it dude. Like carny shit. Yeah. Oh man, I used to have uh, some of those replica like carny wrestler like figurines when I was a kid. I got from my grandpa, and they're all made of like rubber. Like I remember I had this real tall one of this bald dude mustache and he was like in that like the vaudevillian yeah kind of like yeah. that dude that stuff's really cool to me man i think the vaudevillian shit's kind of cool honestly oh yeah. yeah i always thought one of them guys would be kind of a neat tattoo like lifting a barbell and yeah. like fucking with boxing like the strong man shit. or whatever yeah. stuff like that i love that kind of stuff dude that's it's so cool and that's really prevalent in tattoo imagery it's carnival art you yeah know what it really yeah. is like, the, you'll see tattoos of, like, um, almost like a pinup girl, but she's jumping through rings of fire, and you'll, yeah. you know, you see certain ones like that, and you're like, that design was first drawn so, 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 so long ago, and it's been refined so many times that 
there's a bunch of people wearing the same image with the same meaning, but it's got different life in it because somebody mm-hmm. else made it look the way they wanted it to yeah. look. You know, it's all different artistry. The yeah, same image. Fuck, man. I wish my job was that neat. You know. <laughs> I mean, no, that's the thing, though. We, like, we do our passions on the side. Absolutely, he just man. He just gets to enjoy his passion as his, as his career, you know? I mean, I, that can be stressful, I'm sure, but I've always thought that, too, because, like, we do the podcast, I, like, write my blog and shit, but I'm like, man, if any of that stuff became my job, like, would I enjoy that as much? You know, would it, would I still have that passion, or would it be like, fuck, I got to do this? I was trying to find. Well, I was on my phone. I was trying to find like uh, this thing that I saw. It says like there. It was like four things, like bullet points that tell you you are doing what you're supposed to be doing. Okay. And a few of them were like one of them, for instance, obviously to make a living. Not that you're doing it for the money, obviously, mm-hmm. or anybody. But like one of the things is like if it's, it's if you're truly supposed to be doing it. It's going to, you know, provide you some sort of income, Absolutely. provide you some sort of a livelihood for yourself. Um, I'm trying to think of what they all were. I, I can't, I probably won't be able to remember more than, like, two. But I know one was provide you with, like, some sort of income. Um, the other one, I think another bullet point was obviously something you're passionate about doing, like something you really want to, you know, be doing. But there's just different, there's just different quota that it has to meet for that to truly be who you're kind of supposed to be. And the thing is, they're vague enough to where any job or anything can fit that mold. Like, okay. it's going to, it, you know, saying, like, some people love, you know, helping people or, or like, say, like, somebody was a therapist. Like, they want to they wanna help people in that sense. Like, you, there's, there's different things that will cater to different people. Like, if it's really what you're supposed to be doing in life, It'll meet all of these things. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Those things all kind of. It's crazy. Because most, most. Sorry, I was gonna say You're most good. people don't. Most people never find that, and they mm-hmm. kind of settle into something that'll meet two or three of the of the bullet points, but not more. Like they're either lacking. Maybe it's not what they're passionate about. Maybe it, uh, you know, or if it doesn't provide you the income, it's obviously not what you're doing to like live on so it's it it might meet every other thing i feel like a lot of those like with the bullet points you're going off on were uh did you see that it was going around on social media i haven't seen that personally but i feel like that goes hand in hand though like especially with my job if you're not passionate about it you're not going to make a living if you're not passionate about it you're not going to be successful you're not passionate about it you're not going to be happy doing it Mm -hmm. so you have to be passionate about it first, and that's when the success starts coming. Because, like I said, it's one of those jobs where truly you get back what you put into it, mm-hmm. right? Like I put into what I put in, and I got like tenfold back, dude. I, I'm very fortunate, and I I'm happy to say that I'm one of the lucky people that can say I truly love my life. And the thing is, is like, if if you're truly passionate about it, like that passion's going to be there whether you have a terrible day yeah. or whether you have a great day yeah. like it's still going to be in your person like who you are absolutely regardless of how the day starts or ends like it's still you part have to want to come back yeah it's okay. gonna it's gonna keep you coming back okay yeah man um, before I had this I was very like an emotionally kind of driven person mm-hmm. so if I had a bad day man people fucking knew about it you know like I'm fucking pissed I'm letting everything just get me 
everything, and I, it, I wouldn't let nothing roll off my back, dude. I was just mad. I was mad at the world, man. I yeah. was, you know, there's only, I could have only done that shit for so long. I don't know how motherfuckers do that shit for 20 years, but I got respect for them, because they can. I couldn't do it no more, man. And I get into what I got into, and now I, I have nothing to complain about. I'll sit there and, like, I'll complain about, like, the littlest inconvenience and be like, what, in my head, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You have the coolest job in the world, mm-hmm. you know? Like, uh, the littlest inconvenience doesn't need to bother you. I'll just, yeah. just kind of slow myself down and be like, all right, dude. At the end of the day, you're you're still doing what you love to do mm-hmm. and, you know, getting better at it. And, Absolutely. Like, it's got endless potential as far as, like, the growth you can have mm-hmm. in it. So it's just like, so it, it's almost like it, it would be, you know, it would be nice to just, you know, have that roll off your shoulder and be like, wait a minute. It's like, yeah, yeah dude. You got you to gotta put yourself still doing more what into, I love. Yeah, you got to put yourself into perspective a little more. Like, you have to center yourself because you're. Yeah. you, you got to be your own worst critic, but in doing so, you can't be the one thing that's holding yourself yeah. back too. Yeah. You know, you have to be able to push yourself out of that and get back into like a healthy state of mind. You got to be able to critique yeah. yourself to get better, but not to the not at the expense of, um, you know like losing the love for it or, or whatever like oh, yeah. you know not at the expense of like where you're making yourself miserable with it it's just like then that's oh dude yeah I, you, you can get burnt out from a job like this I mean I've seen people mm-hmm. that kind of get burnt from it and they're like dude I don't want to do this anymore this sucks you know because you're not going to do your own custom art every tattoo that you do you're not going to do something that's wholeheartedly from you 100% every single time you do a tattoo because, I mean, if somebody comes in and they want to get, you know, their kid's names tattooed on them or something, or they want to get, like, their spouse's name, I recommend not doing that. Um, there's, that's like, I a, would, yeah, that's I like would an unbeknownst curse. Like, we all, do, like, that's like shop talk, man. Like, all right, well, they're breaking up in, like, two weeks. You know, yeah. like, I've, I've seen it where, like, motherfuckers come in and get a matching tattoo assigned names, and they broke up in the parking lot. I always think, like, after they got it. To each their own, because once again, it's not my body, but, like, at the end of the day, like you get your kids tattooed on you, like, they're always going to be your kids. The this is the difference. Yes. This is the difference. Where when it's a girlfriend, a spouse, a fiance, whoever, like it or not, divorce is prevalent in this world. You never yeah. know what's going to happen. It makes Absolutely. way more sense to get like your kids or yep. something tattooed on you than your spouse. I forget. I think they say like the first five years of marriage is the hardest part of it, or some shit. But I would say do that as, like, your fifth wedding anniversary kind of thing. Like, if y'all can stick together and get through that shit after, like, five years, <laughs> yeah, dude, go do that shit. Yeah. Because, I mean, I was in a military town pretty much my whole early adult life. It's all divorce, dude. Everybody's divorced. Yeah. But soldiers, you know, they won't get married because it gets you out of the barracks, dude. Divorce they, is prevalent, yeah. like, in my sort of immediate family, I guess, or even some of my extended family. Oh, yeah. Like it's, you know... I don't know. It's but yeah. It's at the end of the day. It's it's just kind of like people do it. People do it for just somebody they're oh, in yeah. love with when they're young and like they're they don't have no idea if they're gonna be with them together. Oh yeah, dude. Forever. I, it's like had, <laughs> you're 17 and you guys are in high school. <laughs> we had this one. They're like a they're like an older biker biker couple, maybe like early 50s. They'd come yeah. in and they got each other's names vertical like vertically like each letter was vertical which is like strange stacked like an acronym almost yeah um down their finger like down their whole finger i'm just like all right well that's that's dedication they're talking about how they just got married or whatever and then they start talking about how they knew each other for like three months i was like what the fuck 
couple months ago by the lady that got the name. I forget the name. It might have been Tommy or something. I don't even remember. But she got it covered up. She came in and got it covered up. And then she got back with him after that, too. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, man, this, this is toxic, dude. Yeah, be like, I don't know what you have going on, but I'm not going to fucking redo this tattoo six times. Oh, I didn't do the work personally. I don't know. But, oh, <laughs> no, you shit. see stuff like that, man. It, and it, those are funny stories that I get to tell about, like, what I experienced in a shop because this is such a different world, dude. Oh yeah, such a different world. Like, well, and, like, and what's crazy is you, like, because it's such a personal thing to people, you get, like, you get everybody's stories brought into you. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So like, the difference is like it's not something, it's not something they're obligated to do. It's not something they're. It's not like they're going to, mm-hmm. you know, to the tattoo shop to work or anything. It's not like they're doing whatever. Like, they're they're going to you, but this is something they chose to do. So they're sharing whatever's going on in their world. Oh, yeah, dude. You know, with you. And, like, this is their time away from everything. So, mm-hmm. like, they can give you information from fucking one spectrum to the other. Oh, like, dude. you have no idea what you you're going to no learn. no idea the trauma <laughs> dumps. The, oh my gosh, man! They really do think I'm a therapist. So, you know, I'm not gonna knock no therapist. It's like, listen, I'm sticking a needle in you. Yeah, yeah, dude. You're not. I'm not gonna judge nobody for what they feel comfortable telling me, man. But it's really one of those jobs where people come in and they tell me every. I've heard some yeah. crazy. I didn't raise my daughter to be talking a about horror. how like, like shit like that. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Like, how he like tells everybody's stories just brought into because it, it's oh, something they're going out of their that. way. To go get to go yeah. do, and you're not you're not a somebody personal in their no. life. So yeah. it's just like yeah, yeah. They come in there like they're professional and tell me about all their demons, dude. I'm just like, and what's crazy is they can become <laughs> personal because they just if they come back and back, you know again oh, yeah, to you too. So it's just like you end up like knowing them and you're like, God damn. Oh, You're like, yeah, how's, how's she doing anyway? She's still fucking... Oh, she's still... <laughs> all this. It's like, man. Yeah. People tell you their marriage problems, what they argue about, like... Oh, they, what they got, like, addiction problems. You meet some crazy motherfuckers, too, man. The most <laughs> off-the-wall people. Uh, there was this one I was... I had just got signed off on for my apprenticeship. This old dude walks in. It's like 9.30. We're about to close shop, you know? He comes in, bib overalls. He he had a big old polar pop in his hand, and it would, I could smell that cheap ass liquor, dude. He smelled like E and J all day. Smelled like E and J. Walks up to the, and he's just like old man, like big old man, dude. Like like what you would think a farmer grandpa would look like, you know. But he had, a, he had biker chains on and shit, and uh, they had bells on them, like because they ride when they ride, they'll have bells and shit, so you can hear them or whatever in traffic or whatever. And uh, I told him I wouldn't do a tattoo for him because he had a ring tattooed on his finger, but he wanted me to put turquoise blue into his finger. And I was like, I'm sorry, man, but that's not going to stay in. Your hands get a lot of wear because as your skin cells regenerate and they die and they get worn and all that good stuff, they just fall out, man. My hand tattoos are fading and they're black. You know, that color does not like to stay because there's no carbon. There's no heaviness to it. Carbon black in tattooing really holds it together. So I'm like, ah, oh, I can't do that, man. I'm sorry. And he was like, well, I'll come back if you want to have a new idea kind of thing. And he, <laughs> and he was just stood there for a while after that, you know, just real awkwardly. And he looked at me. He was like, you want to see something? I was like, what? And he lifts up his hand and makes a fist, and there's a ring. 
but it's he's got one of those knuckle blades, like a ring with a little knife in it. I'm like, what the fuck? And I'll, he was like, pull it. I was like, oh, no, I'm good, dude. I'm good. Pull it. I was like, no, I can't, man. I'm sorry. He pulls out himself, and it's like a hook blade, like what you use to gut like a fish. And he like ran it across his neck. He's like, ha! And puts it back in its sheath, turns away. He's like, you'll hear me when I'm coming. Takes the bell on his chain and jingles the chain and just leaves. And he almost hit my car when he left. Dude, dude was plastered. Old enough to be my grandfather. And I'm just like... Holy! I went home and I just got super stoned. I think I played Destiny for a while. I was like, dude, I don't know what the fuck to do. Like, I need to clear my mind. <laughs> like, that was a lot. That was a wild interaction in the night. <laughs> yeah, dude, you, I've met some interesting, interesting people, man. Oh yeah, in a tattoo shop, you'll meet oh, yeah. you'll meet some normal all folks, walks of life. You'll meet some interesting people. All walks of life, dude. Uh, yeah. I remember one day I came into work and there was a real estate agent in the studio that one of our artists had been working with and. Uh, they had a, I think they're called a marmoset monkey or some shit. Those ones that are tiny as fuck. She had like a stroller with a birdcage built onto it with a fucking monkey in her tattoo shop. <laughs> Yo, what am I seeing right now? Is this serious? <laughs> I'm walking, Back I'm to walking. the circus app. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, what the fuck? There's a monkey in here. Like, there's just, there's funny shit. That's there's awesome. crazy shit. It's, yeah, it's funny, man. That seems like a tattoo shop. You have a monkey in there? It's oh, like, yeah, dude. Yeah, this is... Oh, yeah. Of course oh. there's a monkey in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah probably was... tattooing the monkey next. It was crazy, too. Like, you put your <laughs> finger up to this cage, it would, like, grab your finger, and its hand is, like, as big as one of your knuckles on your finger. You're like, oh, my God, what the fuck? It's a monkey, for it's real. Kind of adorable. Oh, yeah, yeah it's it cool. is, yeah. It was cool. Sure those little fluffy shit. ones with ginormous eyes. Man, I'd want to hold it. Yeah. Like, I want one of those little things. That'd be awesome. Dude, I thought about that, too. I'm like, even a chimp. I know a chimp could... Fuck you up. Oh, but yeah, like, dude. If you could get a chimp as your homie, and he just chilled next to you on the couch and smoked <laughs> weed and watched TV and shit. But do you know how, <laughs> cool with that you know how big of assholes they are, though? <laughs> you know what they do when they go to kill something? The first thing they do, what? they eat your face. Yeah, they, they I heard they like rip your face apart and eat yeah. that shit. Yep. That's the first thing they go for. That's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, you know what? <laughs> Merciless. If I had some enemies, they would not fuck with me if okay. I had a chimp in hand. You got Elijah here just like with a horde of them. It's like Planet of the Apes. You know? <laughs> Six chimps. <laughs> just chilling in the background. Oh, man. Oh, man. I don't think I could sleep in that house. Yeah, he's going to say, chimps. you better hope that yours is the leader. And oh, he can yeah. tell, you better hope that yours is the Caesar so he can tell all the other ones to fuck off. Oh, they yeah, try dude. Yeah. Because gotta, otherwise they're not listening. You gotta make sure you're yeah, the alpha. Yeah, Cobra yeah. is the leader. Uh, yeah, yeah, like let's fuck this guy up. Yeah, that's funny shit. Yeah, you're gonna wake up hogtied from some way too smart primates. And Those were good movies. Hold the fucking yeah. sixteen up to you. The older ones were better than the remake. What? The remakes were really good. The old ones just looks like people and chip you. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, Yeah, it doesn't have the CGI and stuff, but there's something about the authenticity behind it that I love. Yeah. It's like I love the old Star Wars over I like or over the love for the new ones, you know. I just I like the authenticity. Well, I like the the old Star Wars more than the brand new ones. Oh yeah, dude. The sequel trilogy. I like the works. I like the prequels more than the sequels. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If the video games are better than the new movies, there's a problem. You know, (laughs) the TV shows are better than the movies. Oh sure, absolutely. Damn. You guys want to uh, take a little break and come back in at the good, the bad, and the shits? Oh sure. Alrighty, we'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Stick with us. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we are back after our break, and it is time for the good, the bad, and the shit segment. And uh, oh, yeah. why don't you start us off real quick here? We got Jake on the segment for the first time ever. Hell He's yeah. going to see what it's all about. The highs, the lows, <laughs> the shittiness. <laughs> well, the last time we were all, like, kind of affiliated with was, like, high school. You know, so I figured I wanted to mention something about high school. Oh, yeah. So what do you feel about high school social circles? Because, I mean, you immediately think of the bad, kind of, like, because it does sort of exile some people, or people don't feel like they belong, and that's shitty. But it also does kind of help people find like-minded individuals, you know, mm-hmm. kind of, sort of. It, it's and tough, be more comfortable. Yeah, to find friends. It's easier to yeah. find friends, common interests, or things that you guys similarly do, or sports you participate in, or whatever. But there's always those kids that just don't necessarily fit into one of those circles. You know, you gotta find. That means you gotta find your own circle. It's kind of what I. Do. It doesn't yeah. fit it. Yeah, I was gonna say if it doesn't. You know, isn't. I don't think it works that way much, anyways, anymore. Like I don't think it's. As, uh, like, I mean, there's how, still how, your social there, classes in high school. No, well, yeah, oh, there yeah. is, but it's not as, it's like, like cut, it's not as cut and dry between, yeah, like, aspect. it's not as cut and dry, like, in the 80s movies where they're like, the nerds, the jocks, the cheerleaders, no. the blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's not but like it is that sort of anymore. like more yeah. people almost get more respect than others. So, in absolutely. Aspects. And you gotta remember, too, like, never forget what it was to be a kid in school. I mean, kids are dicks, dude. I mean, we were all assholes at one point, you know? We all laughed about the kid that was different or whatever and, like, shit like that. Like, those little subsects or whatever we thought was nerdy or what was, like, cringe or whatever. Like, we were all pretty judgmental to a team. Oh, yeah. You know? So, it's like... That's a, that's a hard concept, really, to... Oof. Because, I mean, really, you're at some of the cringiest periods of your life oh, fuck in God. junior high and high school. Oh my gosh. Even if you're the cool guy, you can look back at that time and be like, like cringe at some of the ways that you acted and treated people at times. You're like, oh, fuck. You would hope so at least. Yeah. yeah. Unless they're like narcissistic shit, but seriously doubt that everybody ends up like that. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, that's a, that's a toughie, man, because I feel like we almost we cut people out and make our own groups and stuff like that, our own social circles, and in ostracizing them, a lot of them either, it's like sink or swim. They either find, like, their tribe, like, their group, or they don't. And I don't know, that hurts to think about, really, because think about how that kid that feels like he never found that, or she never found that, or they never found that. Think about how they feel or felt. That That's, that's a hard one, dude. That's heavy. Like, I had my closest, like... <clears throat> Like, I had my closest friends, but I always treated generally everybody, like, even, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was always, I always try to be friendly with yeah. everybody that was, you know what I'm saying, not within, like, my main people. I always I just try to be friends you know with like, everybody. I would never, like, intentionally, like, yeah, you would prefer it to be somebody you're friendlier with, like, yeah. in a group setting or whatever, but, like, you're not going to be a dick for no reason to people that you might not interact Absolutely, with Absolutely, man. I tried yeah. to be good with as many people as I yeah. could when I was in school. Cause I was one yeah, of even kids. then I'm talking about I didn't have a group. You know, I didn't really... I had the band and stuff like that. I was, like, in the drum line and all that good stuff. But I tried to be friends with 
you know, just about everybody, man, because, mm-hmm. I mean, you can, you got something to learn from literally any person you come in contact with, and, like, yeah. I don't know, it always just felt good to me to be, like, yeah. positive well, and be something happy. And if you're going to treat me with respect and you're going to be nice, like, like there's man. no there's no reason for me to Absolutely. be a dick. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. But if it's instantly met with, like, uh, conflict or, like, you're being just, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, like the, the group settings and shit like that are a perfect example because, like, they it would be assigned that sometimes. Oh, yeah. I'm not even saying, like, it would necessarily go awry, but, like, that's a perfect example of, like, you can't pick who, and they're like, you, 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 and you are a group. Whatever, it's just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to interact with all these people. Like, just... Yeah, that was always an interesting dynamic whenever mm-hmm. they would do that in your class. Like, they would just pair you groups. up with people. It, yeah. yeah. And it's like, well, this is somebody that I would not normally interact with. It you teaches know, it, you an underlying lesson, though, man. It teaches you kind of how to adapt and how to work with people yeah. that don't necessarily, like, maybe align with you in your own opinions or work mm-hmm. the same way or think the same way that you do. And you kind of learn how to, I guess interact and work together in a positive way to get something done with somebody that may want to do it in a different way. And that's, I guess, brainstorming and figuring out how you can both do it together. So it teaches mm-hmm. you how to work with differing people, which is cool. And it teaches you even amongst your differences, like there are similarities. Oh, yeah. And you can mesh and Absolutely, yeah. It teaches yeah. you how to be almost, in a healthy sense, a social chameleon, you know. Not a fake person, but it, you know how to work with people that think differently than yourself. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and as long as it's, you know, it's, it doesn't really matter as long as everybody's acting, like, not like a piece of shit. Absolutely. You know I mean? yeah. It's like, it's as long as you like, there's no... That's a hard ask for some yeah. people, though, man. In high school especially. Oh, God, dude. They're, like... I mean, I remember there being times in high school where, like, literally, you just completely unprovoked people would try to fuck you know, oh, no, I mean? yeah, it was just like, oh yeah, people just fucking in the halls, <laughs> oh, and like, yeah. yeah, I mean, just like, I like, I just saw it, and like, it, it was just, it was a, it was such a time of like thinking you knew, like we were talking about earlier, thinking you knew shit because you were, you know, even thirteen through like, let's say even just the, the wide range of thirteen through eighteen, maybe you were a dick for more of it than other parts of it or whatever. Yeah. But like people were. You're dealing with hormone changes and all kinds of other shit. So, like, that whole teenage span, people went through a whole bunch of shit. Oh, absolutely. You don't even know yourself as, like, a human until you're, like, at least 25. I don't care what no one says. You don't know yourself. You don't know your mind. You don't know what your goals are until you're, like, in your mid-20s when you're fully, full frontal lobe, fully developed, all Mm -hmm. that. Your brain's done growing. It's done developing. Um, I just don't know who you are. I wouldn't say, like, the cliches, like, are necessarily, like, the same, but I would say, like, the social acceptance aspect of it is still the same, because it all still, to some, like, level or another, there's going to be... Because everybody goes to that period at that point in life. It's, It's, but it's wild, because, I mean, it truly doesn't, it's like, what do you, like, like, what, like, what, like, what really did you win or earn from being... You know what I'm saying? That well, like... Like, I, I, like it doesn't really carry weight after. No. You know what I mean? No. Other than, like, it carries weight... It carries a lot of weight if you were that... Well, you were a dick to a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? But, like, it doesn't carry weight in terms of, like... Like, I know a lot of people, they're like, oh, you know, it's... They were, like, just somebody a lot of people talk to or know or just whatever, but, like, fucking basically... And I'm not going to obviously name names, but, like, just basically fell off the face of the planet. Absolutely. <laughs> so it's just like... Well, that's well, the none of nothing they did, really. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's the difference between searching for accolades for yeah. the achievement and having it for the status. Because there's two different things. Mm-hmm. If you're going to achieve something and you're only trying to achieve that thing because of the status that comes with that thing, then wholeheartedly you don't even really deserve that atri- achievement. If you're not doing it for that sense of pride and that end goal of it being something constructive for you personally and you're only doing it mm-hmm. for the outward perception on how people view the fact that you have that one thing or did that thing, then you're not even really doing it for the right reason. It means your fucking whole life's kind of fake. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, like, what are you doing? <laughs> Absolutely, dude. Yeah. Oh, shit. And there's a lot of fake people out there. Oh, yeah. Living up. Just in a glass image, just trying oh, yeah. to keep up this perception and persona of themselves. Fuck know? that! That sounds so stressful. I couldn't. I can't even. Well, imagine. like also, like man, like you get one fucking chance. Like it's your life, so like you can take it and do what the hell you want to do with it, or you can just give in to all this. Oh, shit. absolutely. And it just it's like it might be like you might feel like you're reaching levels of, you know, being accepted and, like, being loved and known or, you know, whatever, but it's just, like, you're not, like, if you're not actually self-fulfilled or, like, it might, who was it that we were talking with I mean, it just made a good point that, like, it, if it doesn't hit you now, it's going to hit you eventually. Like, whether you're 90 and you realize it and you're like, I didn't live my life for me at all, or yeah. whether it's then, whether you're fucking yeah. 25, you know what I mean? Um, so I'm going to be 90. Yeah, so it's just like you're either way. It's gonna hit. It might hit you in the last three minutes, or it might hit you whenever you're you. You can still change it. You know what I mean? Uh, but like, like inevitably, like who, like I don't know. I was thinking about. I was talking to somebody the other day about that. It's just like people. I've seen people like really, really try to get their parents proud of them or like specifically their mother or specifically their father and like because their father or mother was hard on them like that it just carries over and they're just never fucking as happy for you as you'd like them to be absolutely yeah I, I see that all the time yeah I dude think. and people are like they, like even if everything else is going pretty well they're a doctor they're a lawyer they're a this or that like if they don't have the respect or like the appreciation of their family or some of their like they don't feel accomplished yeah they don't feel they're like yeah. it, it's crazy the insecurities that I've seen I'm not doubting them for, everybody has their own you know whether they're hidden or on the surface like insecurities about something or like just the way they operate or like the way they socialize some, everybody's got something little that they're like yeah I'm not touching that because that's just not something I would do that's an insecurity like I mean even though it might not be it's still a, kind of an insecurity like because it's you're not open to all of it you know okay yeah I but understand on that what was my point uh, about that is uh, it's crazy because you can see people like that they still have no matter how accomplished they are it's like they didn't make their mom or their dad whoever proud and somebody's really like ah you know like that it just it's crazy the amount of like that that weighs on people if they don't have their peers respect or they don't have their parents or their you know saying whatever the, the acceptance of it's, the people surrounding them in their lives yeah. yeah well that's the whole thing about the people around you i mean they really do affect you like yeah if you, if the people around you all the time are praising you you're probably going to feel like you're a bad son of a bitch mm. but like if <laughs> nobody is offering you anything you're going to feel Absolutely. like you're going to have to work harder yeah to prove them wrong i was worried about that with my career man like i you know, I tell my parents that I want to do this thing. You know, I want to tattoo. And the first thing is like, do you want to be broke the rest of your life? It's like, it ain't like that, dude. And I, just, you just, I just had to prove them wrong, man. I just had to fight hard and really try my hardest. And I've been doing all right. 
to a certain point, though, I think like uh, I mean, I'm I'm all for flipping it on the person that's doubting you for oh you're not going to be able to do this. I'm I am I mean you get you I love that. when people doubt me. I'm all, I mean I'm all for the being told you're not going to do this and then this is never going to happen Absolutely. and fucking flipping it on like it that is me, that is almost yeah. fucking my persona. It drives me that, like, even better at yeah, that one thing. The yes. chip on the shoulder and the fu- okay like yep. now it's fucking real then. Um but at the same time like are you really going to wear yourself out, wear yourself thin, kill yourself for somebody that it like has an ass wipe of a fucking opinion in the first place. Like what? What have they done for you to have to feel like you need to earn their respect or for their? You know what I'm saying? Like to be honest, at the end of the day, like if you're proud of your shit, who gives a damn what they think? Absolutely, man. That's true, and I really feel, I really feel like you don't realize the that as an adult. Well, even as a human, like you can realize this at whatever age, but you don't really. You have to be proud in yourself before your other people are proud in you because it means more. You have to love yourself first before you can truly love other people. So, like, as long as you've got you, that's all that really matters. And a lot of people don't realize that until either it's too late or they realize it later on in life and they're like, holy shit, and they have this crazy awakening. Or it's like, I'm doing this for me, the family that I'm starting, or I'm doing this for whatever for whatever purposes and they just start driving the fact that I love myself now and I'm going to chase my dreams and live my life the way that I would like this story to be you know because our lives are like a book you know and everybody has a different ending a different beginning they have a different fucking story everyone a different length yeah and we can't really necessarily control every contributing factor to that story but we can most certainly control the the mood um, the success rate and things like that. It's just all about how much how strong you are up here, man. That's really all it is. In my opinion. You know, there's underlying things. Some people are set back, some people have occurrences and things in their life that are hindrances mm-hmm. and whatever. You can't control everything, but there's you always, can always control your mood. Yeah. I mean I guess unless you have like a chemical imbalance in your brain or something, but yeah. you can generally you mental your yeah, illnesses and stuff, but you can there's definitely things you can do to positively affect absolutely the way you think. You have to be a self-starter if you're going to be doing something like that. You have to be able to pick yourself up and say, "All right, dude, stop being feeling sorry for yourself. Who cares what they think? You love you. You know what you deserve. So go make that happen." But the hard part of that is doing the work. What it takes to get what you think you deserve is the work, and a lot of people are afraid of the effort that it takes to really build yourself. Yeah, for sure. That's kind of like going back to the high school yeah. social thing. Yeah. Like you, when you're that young, you don't have the mindset of oh, it doesn't. These fuck these people. Like I'm not gonna talk to them in three years. Yeah. You know, like I just need to love myself, do my own shit, and I'll be fine. Like you crave the acceptance of others at that period in time, just because you're like. If all these people think I'm fucking weird, life's going to be hell for three years. Yeah. But when you get out of school, you come to, like, this realization that, like, they they were cool in school. Like, yeah, whatever. That's, like, we get off the school bus, you walk in them doors, (laughs) it's like, all right, that's the cool kid in here right now. But when you get out into the real world, there is no cool kid. There is no, you know, that ain't a thing. You're, You're your own human. You are your own kind you of existence you know you have to build what you want not to and not to like 
start making like a bunch of comparisons because like everybody we bring on and like every episode is different and and a lot of episodes that are way different can all be really good you mm-hmm. know what I mean that's the thing but like if like you were to look at even something like high school or look at like whatever like maybe people I was closer to or interacted with like like you know you're like oh man like they were popular or they were known or this or that like oh maybe they'd be a good guest it's like no it's like honestly maybe some of the people like that you know, I didn't necessarily, like, we didn't interact with as much, or maybe we did out of high school and after high school a little more, or whatever, it's just, like, some people that, like, were, you know, quote-unquote, po- it's like, they wouldn't make for a good podcast, they have nothing to say, it's like, their shit's, if they're still living this persona, or they're still, it's, you know, a, a blanketed existence under a fucking yeah. a false face, it, it's, they've got no fucking story and no depth to it, you know what I mean, they've got nothing to fucking, like, a lot of people, like, a lot of, like, you know, for, you know, you came on here, for instance, it's, like, there's there's a whole lot of people, like, I haven't caught up with in some time or whatever, but they haven't just went through a, a massive amount of shit and, like, you know, just, like, this situation. It's just, like, you know, you had a lot to tell of, like, stuff that you went through. And, like, not even by the end of this podcast is it even possible for you to give us the full story, the full detail. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't go through, um, like, little, like, crazy, fucking oh, monstrous-type yeah. shit or nothing. Like, I had, like, a normal military career. Yeah. But that's still a lot different than, like, the normcy of, like, I call oh, it normie yeah. life. It's, like, civilianhood is really different than that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, but, uh, not my point is it's just, like, it's, it, you know, it's wild. Like, everybody, like, that people would think would make for a good podcast don't even necessarily make for a good one. And, like, it's a lot of the people, like, I, I don't know. I can't even tell you how, like, it's grown into, like, what it's become and, like, who we've had on when. It's just, like... It's been really interesting who we've reached out to or reached out to us and, like, who we brought on and been like, oh, man, like, this ended up being a really good episode. Okay, yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, my point is, like, just going back to that. So what was it, in, what was the general topic, the uh, social circles high in high school? Social circles, yeah. Overrated, underrated, or fair? Yeah, I mean, like, you did bring up good points, though. Like, we get people in here on podcasts now, you know, seven years, eight years, nine years removed. Mm-hmm. From high school, and everybody's just their own person. You know, you yeah. don't look at anybody in You're any looking, type of way anymore. It's just no. like everybody is vastly different, living their own life. Now. There's so, people like sometimes you get closer to or whatever, like you just would have never thought like you would have gotten closer to at a certain point or not. You know? What oh I mean? yeah, dude. It's, but none of that shit even. It doesn't carry the weight of the you know what I'm saying. Like it's that's what's crazy is like. As serious as we can talk about it in hindsight, about it, yeah, it should have been taken that seriously or whatnot. Like, people that had a, just a miserable experience in high school, though, are really going to carry that with them for a long time. And, like, people do. Like, I've heard about it. And, like, I've, you know, saying, I'm like, I'm like, damn, hopefully it wasn't too bad. Over people, oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. No, because some people is, is, you know, you're still unaware of a lot of the stuff in the world. You're still old enough to be accountable for a lot of the stuff and like people really put other people through some hell absolutely man high school there were some real awful people that really mm-hmm. just really pestered and really tormented people but when you look at the ones that held on to like their own torment in school their own like their own poor experiences and they harbor that hate throughout their whole life like dude you're carrying so much worry and stress for, like I'm not saying everybody should just let go the bad things that was ever said to them or anything like mm-hmm. that, but when you harbor, if you're carrying that hate in your heart, there's there's some kind of like grudge that you have, like you just you still to this day would get mad about it, even if it's like 10, 15 years later. I promise you, the person that said it did it, and this doesn't make it less significant or anything. They don't even remember it. 
So at the end of the day, fuck them and what they had to say and just kind of move forward. Because, I mean, I got made fun of in school, too, you know? Like, I, I was a fucking band kid, man, and I was a short fucking round butterball turkey looking ass motherfucker for the longest time man I, just, I got fucking my bro vet bod now I'm fucking bad as shit right now but like I remember that was when I was a kid and I had to let those things go I remember who did it I remember who said it you don't, you don't forget those things but I'm not mad at them dude because you never know what those kids had going on at home mm-hmm. they're taking it out on you because maybe their pops does that to them every night and more than not you that's, don't even it's know. always rooted in something yeah you don't know what so, they're going yeah. through and that takes a sense of maturity to kind of have a realization of, I guess. Is okay, they may be doing this because they're getting it way worse at home. Mm-hmm. But you don't realize that till later on in life, I think. Yeah, well, in the moment when you're dealing with it, it's You're like, pissed. Yeah, you're dealing with it. So yeah. you're like, man, you're still, fuck this guy. You're like, still looking at things more two-dimensionally. Like, in high, You don't realize it till much later, but like, in a, you know... I mean, not literally, but you know what I mean. No, you're yeah. not seeing the full scope. You're yeah. you're literally only seeing the image of what you're presenting. Like, they're, oh, they're coming here, and they're acting like a dick to me. It's like, Jesus Christ, like, what's going on? Yeah. Like, you don't think about the whole other, the big picture, like, at all. You just need to take a whole bunch of mushrooms one night and think about those bad <laughs> memories. So you can see find, it. Stuff, find yeah, you can clarity. see it in 4D, you know? Like, <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> you, mean, you know what I mean? Like, take you to that different fucking level of it and kind of fight past your inner demons with that, because... More so of that is letting go about the care you have in others' opinions, I guess. Because, I mean, if yeah. I still cared about every single person's opinion about what I do or what I did or how, who I am and, you know, just everything that I do in life, dude, that would hinder me so much in what I do now. You know, I wouldn't feel as free. And what, you have to let go of those demons to really feel free, man. Oh, yeah. Um, what I would say about the social circle thing is this, is like... I think that, like, I think I would I, I would say that they're overrated in the sense if they, like if it's in the sense of you're exclusively oh fuck I can't be friends with anybody else because everybody in this group's looking at fucking what I'm doing yeah, yeah. and I'm gonna fuck I'm not gonna be friends with these motherfuckers like if you're exclusively in that and you're gonna be looking down on you know people like that. But then that also makes you a piece of shit. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Then that's, that that's probably yeah. overrated. Yeah. But at the same time, if we're just talking about social circles and it's not specific to something or like a cliche, like we're not fucking 40 years ago, uh, then it's it. you're always going to have your people too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so like you're really going to bond with certain people and like whatever. Like maybe you do have a group of six people that are really tight-knit and close and they don't necessarily identify in one of these like cliques or groups or whatever. But, like, you're always going to have your people, so, like, that's kind of your social circle. Yeah. So that's going to exist, and that's good, because you, regardless, like, you you need your people, like, overall. That's what know? I loved about being a band kid when I was in school, because it's such a... So it's fair it's in that fucking aspect, melting pot. It was like a melting pot of all these different personalities, different kinds of kids. There's, mm-hmm. I mean, there's these kids that are just so insanely different than you. Like, there's they're just different friends groups. You have... You have the the Pommies kids, you have the cheerleaders, the kids that are on football, play baseball, they're all the sports kids that are also in band, and then you have the kids that are more so into, like, the what most would deem, like, the nerdy side of things, you know, kids that are more so into, like, video games, kids that are more so into, like, Dungeons and Dragons type stuff, and things like that, you know, like the, the classic band geek stuff, you know? It's like a melting pot, because you have those kids that do that, and you, you grow this bond with these people 
that are so different than you because you spend so much time practicing and repetition trying to do the best thing and you're all working together for one common goal and that's to sound as beautiful as possible to yeah. really be singing through your instruments and what are you doing bonding over mutual interest absolutely you're just bringing people together yeah they're like 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 they're like like that that's fucking key yeah to like dude. a lot of things you know you find you find like even if you disagree on a whole that's lot of shit that's that's literally the bridge that can hold it all fucking together between you and like anybody else or somebody else. You'll become um, friends with people that you never would have become friends with. Yeah. Like in a million years. And those know. feel, it's crazy because they end up feeling more like my family. Uh, your people anyways because you're like, man, because like that, depending on how strong that connection is, like that's, that's what bridges the gap. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Dude. And it might be stronger than like all these kind of connections you have with other people or whatever. It's like if you have one strong one with somebody, it's like that's gonna inevitably tie you together. Oh yeah, dude. You know what I mean? Still one to this day, one of my best friends is is Stat, dude. Tyler Stat. Mm-hmm. That was a hundred percent because of band. You know, mm-hmm. he came to our school, and I think we were in like junior high, man. And I became friends with him there, and from there we were in band up until we graduated together, and we've just been like brothers since, man. We go, we go on salmon fishing trips together and shit like that, and like we'll go fish Lake Michigan and do things like that together, and it's like, it's cool that I gained a friend from something like that, out of all things, you know, like band, like that's a that's a cool core memory that I have, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially, I mean. Fuck, it doesn't feel like we're that far out of high school. But then when you look at things, you know, like... Well, it's getting up there. Like Tyler Stad, he's married, he's got a kid. <laughs> yeah, like, people are living life now. Yeah, you man, know, yeah. so if you have those bonds and those connections with people still, it's like, that was really something, you know? Yeah, like, man. Because everybody kind of goes their own way, and, like, the people that you were best friends with, you kind of lose touch with and stuff, and everybody starts their lives, but... You're always going to have those select few friends where it's like you're more like family, you know? Mm-hmm. At least I have, and it's been a really cool experience, to be honest. It's kind of weird, because like, whenever you're, you're that young, you're like, all right, yeah, like, we're doing this shit. Like, we're going to take on, like, the world together, and then you realize as the kind of the years go by, and people move, and people do different things, you're like, yeah, we're going to, like, that's kind of where our, you know, bond or whatever is. Like, we're going to, we're going to do this shit and do, you know, uh, control, like, we're going to take hold of our lives but in different ways like you know we're gonna run our own fucking world in different places you know what i'm Mm -hmm. saying like you're doing this over here i'm doing you know what i'm saying like that's what's kind of weird is like but that's a good thing in a lot of manners too because you're you know they're they're doing them somewhere else and you're doing what you're doing and like that's what you want success and success for one another you know what i mean yeah most certainly man and i have a few of those friends like that to this day and i'll just make sure that we have this middle ground you know Mm -hmm. like with ty it's fishing and fantasy football you know i got my buddy mike man we play video games up together almost every night and that's how we kind of decompress he'll get off work i'll get off work talk about the the bs or whatever shoot the shit and kind of just let it all out and just talk to each other man we're like he's like almost it's like having a big brother i never had one it's cool man because i met him through band and to this day still friends you know he's got his life I've got my life, Ty's got his life, I got my life, and like you, there's a middle ground where it's like we're still homies and we all still genuinely care about each other. It's mm-hmm. cool, man. Yeah. That shit's special. So, in that sense, probably underrated. Having your 
but I mean, it's not really a social circle as much. That's kind of what you were that saying. That broke like, up the social circle concept. I didn't have concept. a social circle necessarily. I just had friends that I bonded with over shit. Like, we bonded over movies. I, like, I've even said kind of as a joke, but it's the truth. Like, thank God for pro wrestling. I don't feel like I like would have made all my core <laughs> friends in my life if it wasn't for pro wrestling as like one yeah. of the initial things I bonded with all of them. But I mean you had That's like so awesome. Stevens, Elijah, you hung out with them in high school and shit. Ethan. Like, all of yeah. Or Stevens. <laughs> Elijah, yeah, Elijah. <laughs> no, I hung out with myself a lot. Stevens, yeah, I was gonna say Stevens and Ethan, you guys had your that's and that's kind of the same thing as what I was doing too. Like you am saying like I was yeah. Harry and Josh and Sam and everybody. Yeah, you have kind of your own clique of like four yeah. or five people in high school more. Um, well, and sometimes it's, yeah, because some, like, sometimes whenever it's more, it's, and they're not as close, but they're within the extended, like, you know, thing. It's hard to really accept more people to be that close if it's more than like four or five. You're like, uh. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. you're kind of one of the outer layers. You're one of yeah. the outer layer people. You're like, yeah, well, you know, you might, got, buddies you might get involved. You, or you might get invited to WrestleMania, but you're not getting invited to No Way Out. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no. I don't know. That's kind of funny. What would your overall opinion be, then? Well, I, kind of what I said earlier, like, about how I'm like, I, like, I mean, you know, you need your people regardless, so it's uh, whatever that is and wherever they come from. Maybe you don't find it out until a little later or whatever. Um, I mean, like, me and Harry, like, we were friends, and we had all... Well, like, we were always friends, but we were friends with a lot of different people and different groups all throughout our lives, like, before high school, you know what I'm saying? Like, but it was always me and Harry. Like, we were always still friends. Always. That's awesome, man. Um, so, I mean, I've been friends with him for 22 years now. That's insane, because, like, I'm like, dude... Like, it's 20-plus years, and I'm like, I'm only 27, <laughs> so. That's fine. I turned 27 in, like, 10 like, days. It's this wild. fucking rough. Fuck. Yeah, nowadays, you just don't want a birthday. Facts, dude, yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. Just say it, 25, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, once you, like, honestly, once I got past, like, 23, like, I didn't really care about my birthday anyways. But I didn't mind up to like 23. And then once I started climbing past that almost, I was like, dude, this kind of sucks. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> you're like, oh man, I sound like Rice Krispies and milk right now. I'm getting up in the morning, crack, <laughs> crack, crack, just all over the place. I'm getting old, man. 30s, it'll get rougher. 40s, it'll get rougher. Oh yeah, dude. It's like, fuck, man, I'm 43 next week. <laughs> that sounds like shit. Yeah, those sound like caca. That's fucking uh, but yeah, no, I, I would say, I mean, I would say if you're, if it's, if it's social circles in the sense that you're exclusively, like, looking down on people and you're kind of think that your class of is, like, the upper fucking echelon of everything, like, I don't think that's a good thing. No. I think that's overrated, especially, like, if that's where you think, you know what I mean? Um, if you're exclusively to that. Now, I think, like, Finding your people, like, that you're comfortable with, that you actually, like, hang out with probably outside of school, too, and all that, that's at least, that's probably underrated or fair. But I, I don't know, I would kind of have to break it up because, I don't know, I, I feel like that's kind of important to note. Because if it's done in this manner, it's kind of overrated, but if it's true and those are your friends and you guys trust each other and you hang out with you know what I'm saying, like, you actually have a, a real bond, not like a fake in-school bond or whatever. Yeah. 
then that's, I mean, that's probably underrated as can be, or at least fair, because that those are your people. You know what I'm saying? Those are the, your people that you, that you get to know. I have um, to agree. So I, I would kind of give a split answer on that, but so there you go. Yeah. What did you say? I think, me personally, it's really open-handed because it can be fair and it can also be overrated. Depends on why you're around the people that you're around. Yeah. Are you around them because you found common interest and you guys bonded over that? Or are you around them because when people look and see that you're with certain groups of people, you're perceived as a certain kind of way, almost as like a stat- status, right? Yeah. So. If you're truly friends with those people and truly care about what they have going on and those are your real friends, that's beautiful. But if you're only hanging out with all those people because you're in like groups and it's a popularity kind of thing or it's a status kind of thing, then it's really not, it's not honest. It's not genuine friendship. So, and that happens prevalently mm-hmm. in high school. Absolutely, know? man. And you, you just ignore people that you would have common interests with and connections you, with like... You know, the kid that would be what would be perceived as, like, not cool, just a real uncool kid, might absolutely love the video game Halo. Like, obsessed with it. Love it. Love the story. All the things that go into it. And, say, the quarterback of the high school has that same love for it, but he can't get seen fucking geeking out over Halo with that kid. Fuck no, but that's something that they both bond over. Let's say they grew up as friends through grade school and shit, but when they got into high school... One's a jock, one's a nerd. Now they're not friends anymore. See that happen too? Yeah, dude. So I'd have to say it's, it is overrated, but in a sense it can also be fair, as long as it's not. If you find, if you really do find your people. Yeah, exactly. Within your circle in high school, then it's probably even under, it is tough because that can even be underrated because that could be lifelong friends. Yeah. It can also just, you can look back at your high school experience depending on how you handled it and be like, man, I don't talk to any of those people anymore, you no. know? I don't, No. I was kind of a dick, I don't see any of my friends from that, like, I'm just happy that that wasn't me. No, dude, Honestly, yeah, you were always, you were always cool, we were always cool in school, too. Yeah, like, I, a lot of my core friends from high school, too, like, I still see and talk to and. We had RTI together, right? Yeah, because we had because yeah. Andrews actually, like an yeah. Hour and a half. We had Miss Stewart. Got, oh yeah. Dude, we raised hell in there. Me, you, Tommy, Aaron, Beaver. Yeah. Dude, we would raise hell. Oh in yeah, that. that was a fun. That was a fun time. <laughs> yeah, dude. Miss Stewart was our RTI <laughs> teacher. Oh my god. Because we Miss Stewart, dude, she, she didn't care. She was the best. She was my neighbor back whenever I was young, young. And then I had her as my primary art teacher. Me too. Yeah. And then back again in high school. And she still remembered me from that era of being <laughs> like a yes. little kid. I remember she had the, the pet mice in her uh, art room when we were in primary school and everything. I remember all that. And then she was our RTI teacher. I was like, what? <laughs> okay. She was just cool as fuck. She's like, yeah. oh, you guys. Dude, we were playing like kitty cannon. And just <laughs> fucking off. Every time we had RTI, I loved it. Yeah, I thought about that too. Like, that was one of the things where I'm like, man... I really could have used RTI to get some shit done. I <laughs> never got shit done. This class is sometimes great, sometimes just annoying as all hell. Like, you'd be stuck in there for just... They seem pretty oh, pointless. Like, they, they totally could have let the seniors go home during RTI every day. Remember, just, we got our RTI switch, because we had 
the worst RTI at the fucking our freshman and sophomore year. And then Who our was junior, that? It was Miss. It was one of the uh, English teachers, right, Mrs. Um, it started with an M, maybe. Oh man, I don't even remember. I, I, I her shit was terrible. God, you it must have been be... really bad because I don't fucking remember that those years of her. I just remember having it with Miss Stewart. You had to be quiet as fuck in her class. Oh my god, I remember <laughs> that. She treated shit. it like an actual study hall. So if you didn't have shit to work on, you just had to be quiet as fuck and like read. Sometimes she'd put a movie on if you were lucky. I just put my head down in there like every time. That's like what I did, Mister. What was it? Woodside. Yeah, yeah, that's what I did in his class. He was fucking sleeping every <laughs> every class. <laughs> he was just up there. Dude, that dude looked like he hadn't slept in like 52 years. <laughs> he probably wasn't even that old either. <laughs> no. No, he, was, yeah. he was like 32 looking. <laughs> looked like a corpse. Man, it was a... Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, what was it? It was American They're gonna history. They're going to butcher you in this one. <laughs> it was American it's... history through films was the class. And I just I'm Mr. Every Moore day. in that class. Oh, no. Nice. And you just shoot all yeah. over. <laughs> Sammy Sprinkler. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> Holy oh, shit. yeah. Once you get the reference. No, he would just... Dah! And just, it would come out of this side and that side. <laughs> Yeah, That's shoot it all over a fucking Helga in the front row. <laughs> yeah, dude, nobody sat in the front row in my history through films. Uh, That's disgusting. <laughs> he didn't even teach in our class, though. Like, we, we would put on, put on movies, movies. <laughs> and then he would give us the quiz. And then we'd watch a new movie the next day. Like, we watched so many movies, dude. It was awesome. I was like, God. It would always be like him standing out there with his hands in his pockets. And, uh, you know, on this scene, he would never make eye contact with anybody either. I'm not saying you got to be weird about it like the guy we were mentioning earlier. And just, like, look, you know, at people and shit. Oh, like yeah. That. I don't mean you got to be eye contact like that. But, like, if I'm looking around the room and I'm just kind of meeting, you know, everybody's eyes and, like, they know I'm with them. That's one thing. But it's, like... He was like he was up there, and he would just he would sprinkle all over the place. But he'd be like da da da, and he'd be like looking off and shit the whole time. It's like you're not looking at anybody. I just remember his, nobody's paying attention. I just remember his butt crack being out like every oh. damn day. <laughs> he probably wasn't the only one. He probably wasn't what even the only teacher. Ass crack. What, what do you remember from school, Elijah? My teacher's ass crack. <laughs> <laughs> Like, he would, for some reason, always have to be kind of bent over. Here we tell your grandkids, and we just got done watching Beowulf, and he got up to the chalkboard, and Cheek's hanging out. (laughs) (laughs) I remember shit about Beowulf, but I remember that ass crap. No, uh, actually, who I saw in um, fucking Target one day was uh, uh, Mr. Marino. Oh, my God. And he was telling me that he was, like, listening to the podcast and shit. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I was like, oh, shoot. Wow. Um, but uh, I had seen him in a long time. I had seen... Yeah, I mean no harm to uh, Coach Woodside. Oh, yeah. I never He's actually had him in a class, He's, to be honest. He might have been a great teacher. I got nothing bad to say. He passed me, so... Yeah. <laughs> hopefully he's getting some sleep. <laughs> hopefully... <laughs> yeah, hopefully he's doing good. <laughs> Why, and watch him just... Be a million bucks now. He's just jacked. <laughs> I, I would be shocked <laughs> if that was. Uh, oh, oh my man. god! He's just like 
Yeah. Dude, the senior fac like the senior faculty game, like it's just like he was wearing shorts and everything, but his expression was the same. He looked like he was asleep out there. Is he draining him though? He's playing fairly well, I'm pretty sure. I mean we he it was, didn't take yeah, very was long Larry for the Bird got their team, asses huh? whooped. They always he was a Larry Bird, he kinda resembled him. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And that's, you know, that's kind of a compliment. He's one of the best Where were ball, we? Where were ballers we of all time. <laughs> oh, we all gave her answer, I think, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll just take it from here. How about this? Uh, well, since it's around this time anyway, and this is the closest episode we're filming towards the 4th of July, what do you guys think of the, uh, the smeared off red, white, and blue drinks? Not the vodka, but just the regular, like, the smeared off ones. Are those the ones that are supposed to taste like a bomb pop? Yeah. So like red, white, and berry or yeah. something is called? Yeah, yeah. I've never had a Smirnoff before. Really? Okay. I, was, I haven't had them in a long time, but I was like, I, sh- I could either do the vodka or I could do those. I'm like, I've had them both, but... Uh, yeah, personally, I've never had those. I, the idea of that, I mean, it sounds good, but mm-hmm. I can feel it in my stomach already. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that shit's too... That shit's like, it's a little too sweet now. Like, I don't even really drink much vodka. Like, I'll Yeah, drink. you're asking for a disaster when you got 45 grams of sugar and yeah. alcohol oh, in yeah. your drink. Oh yeah! Oh man! You're you drinking eight of them. Down in a, a <laughs> six pack of that doesn't doesn't hit the same as just smacking like a shitty beer that's good. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, dude! I can drink Stag all day. That's like yeah, Stag's are, like the worst beer ever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I love Stag, dude. <laughs> but it's easy to put down because it's like, like yeah, it's this a core is memory like, of mine though yeah. is killing my first deer during deer season. Oh no! And then I got back to camp after we like got it back and. We had, like, dressed it and stuff and brought it back. And my uncle fucking popped open a stag. He was like, you gotta come have a stag. Yeah, now. dude, that shit's rad. It's like liquid Wonder Bread. It just tastes like bread Honestly, water. a lot of beer is kind of like that. Yeah, ba- and the older banquet? I get, the more that I'm like, I like that. I like the flavor of liquid bread. No. <laughs> <laughs> it fucking weighs heavy on this the old yeasty. stomach. Uh, it's not bad. What do you think? Man, I went, like, one fourth of July, like, years ago, like, at Ethan's, I fucking drank, like, a lot of those. Yeah. You know, like, they used to be kind of decent, but now I'm like, I don't, think, I don't think I'd ever buy them. No. Ever again. Just because I wouldn't buy Smeardolf, like, the screwdrivers, all that shit. I'm just... It sounds like a lot of... I'm just gonna, if I'm going to buy an alcohol, like, personally, I'm gonna buy, like, a beer, a whiskey... Or, like, Bloody Mary shit. That'll probably be about it for what I'll personally get most of the time. Sometimes something else will strike my eye. I'm like, oh, I want to make martinis or something. I'll get the ingredients for it. But, like, I'm not drinking any, like, sweet-ass, sugary-ass shit anymore just mm-hmm. on my own time, you know? Those things give you the worst fucking hangover. Yeah. Like, the, you get the worst. I think it is partly from that sugar, and you just pounding cheap mm-hmm. liquor mixed with that sugar. You're getting dehydrated, and you just get the worst hangovers ever. Oh, my gosh, man. I, God, we used to drink the sugariest bullshit, like uh, any cinnamon whiskey ever. I can't do it no more. Fuck no. I, dude, I can't tell you how much Fireball I drank when I was in the barracks. Because I don't remember either. I remember waking up on my bathroom floor plenty of times, like, shit like that. Ugh, God, dude. Like, uh, what was it? Uh, this is a really sweet one. I think it's, it's, it's Ciroc Redberry. It was my first week in Colorado. I had just got out of reception. Got picked up by my unit, got assigned to a barracks room. 
funny story. They thought my name was Ashley Jacobs, so they assigned me to a female room. And, uh, yeah, I go in, and it was totally a female barrack room. And I'm like, all right, what the fuck? Go to the barracks manager, like, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. And they switched it up because they thought I was a fucking female. Was great. <laughs> Sweet. All right, cool. But Let's I mean, get started. I, I get in my room. The people from my shop that I got introduced to showed up in my barracks room with a bottle of Ciroc Red Berry. And this is my first week in Colorado, mind you. That I've never been in that kind of elevation in my life. So oh, alcohol yeah. aff- affects you differently there because there's like no oxygen in that air, dude. I took two pulls from that bottle, probably the equivalency of like three shots. I woke up the next morning and I had to peel my shirt off that I was wearing from the bathroom floor from all the vomiting that I did. And I don't even remember <laughs> any of it. Ooh. I've never been that drunk in my whole life. Learning how to drink in Colorado, I could be in the movie Beer Fest and do okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it gives you a tolerance like you've never had once you acclimate. That's why I don't. That's why I don't drink now. It's so expensive and pointless. It takes so much to get drunk. It sucks. Cause <clears throat> you drink in Colorado. Oh yeah, yeah. I drank way too much. They in Colorado. De- they, I was gonna say they decriminalize like mushrooms in their whole state. Too. Yeah, dude. Yeah. You can go well, to Denver. Yeah. You can go to Denver and get a half ounce caps and just fucking <laughs> walk around and look look at the sky all you want. Whatever, dude. Like. Denver's like its own different like Dude, the, world. The parks in Denver, there you'll see some characters in those parks. I used to go to this skate park called D Park out there, and it's like right by Denver, uh, the Colorado University of Denver, and um, uh, there was this group of homeless people that live in the pavilion. And like, I don't fucking care that they're there. What the fuck ever. But like, one of them had a shopping cart with all their belongings in it, like that, like they're all their household goods, essentially, like tent, all that good stuff. But they had a pet street rat. Like, it didn't look like a rat you buy in the store. It was like a street rat, dude. And they were, like, feeding it and shit. And, like, and they were just pushing it in the cart. Like, and, like in this little buggy. Like, it was in a, ba- like it was a baby. You know? It was like... Was he what? big as fuck? I mean, yeah, dude. Yeah, it was, it was a full-blown-ass fucking rat. And I'm like, yo, dude, this is fucking wild. And I'm just over here skateboarding. It's like, okay. Now, the homeless people in Colorado were... They were... They're wild, dude. Probably like look like nomads. I've been I just imagine oh, being yeah. a hippie looking. Dude, they'll roll people. up to you on a bike. I've had this happen where an old dude rolled up to me on like a mountain bike. I'm at the skate park and he fucking pulls a cookie tin like those butter cookies your grandma would have out of his backpack and open up the tin. It's just filled with weed. And he's trying to sell you weed and shit. They everywhere, everywhere. It's like, oh, okay, you know. But there's also some real fucking crazy ones. There's one dude. Well, he was just out there with a little twenty-two pistol, you know, something you'd shoot a fucking squirrel with. It looked like a purse gun. Tiny, man. Tiny. And he just starts popping off rounds into the sky. <laughs> into the sky, dude. Colorado was crazy for me, man. Like, it was just a different world. <laughs> like, what What did he think was going to come of doing that? The only thing that came of it was he got his ass whooped by a bunch of teenage kids at a skate park. I didn't partake. They chased him out. And then the cops showed up. Yeah, I mean, that's all he got. I saw some crazy dude. I could. T- I got so many stories about the skate parks out there. Put it in the sky. The skate parks out there. There's just such crazy occurrences, dude. There was one dude that OD'd in the porta john, like the porta shitter, at the skate park. He OD'd in it and died. And his oh. friends all were fucking. They were all fucked up on whatever the fuck they were doing in the car by the porta john. He had done it with them. Went to the bathroom, OD'd and die, and they were all knotted out in the car, like mouth oh open, all that type shit. And somebody opened the door, and there's this little kid named Tim, and he just screams at the top of his lung, "Yo, this dude's dead!" 
We're like, what? Everybody went down there, and the dude's all slumped, man. And the next week, there was a sigil and a memorial on that port john <laughs> Candles, pictures of them. <laughs> I ain't never seen nothing like that in my life. In my whole life. <laughs> they they like, put some rope around the port john Nobody used this one. Yeah. When we die, memorial the giant. Yeah, memorial the... If, if he's a ghost right what now, a dude, rock. I'd be pissed. Imagine Why? dying and you're a ghost stuck in like the plane of existence. Oh you can see everybody Come on, memorializing I... you to a toilet. Why That's did they not... have to do them that dirty? Like that you could have had that memorial <laughs> anywhere, dude. A public bathroom. Why would they just be like, let's do it at the port? A port John, too, right? A Johnny on the spot or whatever you want to call him. But was it the homeless people that put it together? No, it was like his family and stuff. <laughs> Oh, yeah. This is weird. That's rough. He died. Oh, yeah, dude. When they found out that he died, they tried to take off and shit. People that were with him that did the drugs, they tried to leave because, I mean, obviously they'd get in a lot of trouble, too. Yeah. Yeah, they tried to dip and everything. Colorado Springs was nuts, man. There's just so much to it. Yeah. That's fucked. That's, that's wild. Very interesting part of my life. <laughs> I look back on it and laugh because, like, holy shit, man. Like, I could write a book about this shit. It's just wild. Yeah. Crazy things, man. <laughs> just thinking about some homeless guy. You're like, what is this guy doing out of the corner of your eye that he just pulls out a 22 pistol oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and starts shooting in the sky? And they would like skate with us and shit, man. Like they was like they were like old burnt out skaters and shit. And they'd just be fucking homeless. Sleeping in the pools and shit. There were some dicks there too that would like if they left their tents and stuff, they would take all their stuff and they would line all the trees with all of their shit. Their whole lives. That's fucked up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if when you're a young punk, though, you don't fucking think about shit. Oh, dude, You just yeah. do shit. We had this one guy, man. He was a... Uh, I forget what they called him, but he was a real short motherfucker. And he was always wired. That boy always had amphetamines in his system. That, <laughs> dude, he was... Yeah, dude, he was smoking that shard... Like, and he would just do the craziest things, like, not care if he'd get hurt. It was like he was fearless. We had this pool, like, real deep pool. It was probably a 20-footer. That it, it was made for skateboarding. It was built like a swimming pool, but it was made for skateboarding by, like, professional concrete builders that were skateboarders. It was designed for us. It was really nice. It had concrete coping, everything. This dude had his buddy park his Cherokee in the skate park on the edge of the pool. He airs out and does a hand plant on the hood of this Jeep and goes back into the bowl. Flying. Had to have been going 20 miles an hour, man. Just fucking ripping it. And this, he's just fearless. And he's like, yeah, it's because of meth. It's like, well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, dude, I'm in the army this whole time. So I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, well, I'm going to go back to the barracks now. All right. <laughs> he's like, this is, I'm hoping to get some YouTube fame, dude. I got to smoke this meth <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. to be this fearless. Oh, see, all that shard. He's trying to go with the Steve-O method. Oh my gosh, yeah. We had uh, a dude we call Tiptoes. I've never seen a drunk like that in my life. I've, I don't think I've seen ever seen that <laughs> person. Like, ever seen him without a 40 in his hand. Like, I've like every time you see him, he has a 40. Like, you smell a 40, you smell malt liquor, you're like, oh, there's Tiptoes. Dude, when he would start <laughs> drinking, he would start walking on his toes. It was the funniest thing ever. And so we all call him Tiptoes, and he'd just be, uh walking around the park <laughs> just walking around the park just fucking blitz with some whole liquor for yeah, me yeah dude he was on his tip there oh there's tiptoes oh, there's tiptoes he was you know he was a gentle 
person, you know, he was just like, uh, he's not going to bother nobody. But he's going to stumble on through yeah, real quick. Yeah, yeah. But we have all that going on, and then you got like five-year-olds on scooters and their dad sitting on a bench, like staring at all the crazy fucks there. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the problem with public parks, man. Even around here, like, I go to parks, you know, in the county, and I mean, it's close close to the city, a lot closer than we were growing up and shit. And depending on the area and where you go, occasionally, yeah, you'll see some fucked up people in there. Oh, most Mixed certainly. in with yeah, and I try not to judge, kids. But, like, yeah. when you're a kid, you love going to the park. When you're an adult, you go to the park for, like, a little kid's party or what the fuck ever you're there for. You can't even go take a piss without seeing a hypodermic needle in the fucking bathroom. You're yeah. like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Or there's always those stories. They're like, we found... A needle on the playground and shit. Yeah. It's like, yeah, because this is a public it. space, dude. You get all of the public mm-hmm. in there. Oh, absolutely. Oh man. But honestly, I mean, if you're gonna shoot up, why are you doing it on the playground, bro? Do it anywhere else <laughs> but the playground. It's a <laughs> uh, so yeah, the smeared off drinks. What do you think? Overrated. Overrated. Too sugary, like, dude, it, you can't drink those to get fucked up no. and then not wake up the next day feeling like I probably would say. You can if you're 19, but after that, it's yeah, like turn yeah. around. Agreed. I'd say they're overrated, too. That's it. That's an agreement. What do you got for us? I'm going to have to go with, I think social media is overrated, personally. And it's very open-handed. Because it can go a bunch of different ways. But I think that it gives people some kind of not unachievable expectation for what they're doing or how they're marketing themselves, whether it's for business or any kind of like sponsorships or, or career. You know, I there's a sense of it where it's there's a reliance for acceptance from others when you should really find it yourself first, in my opinion. And I just think that. I don't know, man. The reactions and the stuff like that, like, the people that get upset if they get so little likes or they get so, you know, like, stuff like that, when you put too much of an emphasis on that as a portion of your success, I feel like that's where it gets toxic. Yeah. Where, like, you merit your success based on, like, you know, social media validation Mm -hmm. and things like that. Like, rather than, like... And I guess what I mean by that is... If you're willing to sway the way that you do what you're doing to, to accumulate yeah. those likes and accumulate the response and the mm-hmm. viewership and stuff like that, then that's when I think it's unhealthy if you're not just being authentically you. Mm-hmm. I think what really draws people into things and makes them really love certain things, like certain podcasts and stuff, mm-hmm. is those people that won't buckle, you know? Those people that won't just do what's popular. They're, they're going to do their own thing, and, you know, you just fight to do the best thing that you know how to do. I feel like that's the only really right way to do it, because, obviously, in effort comes those fans, comes those people that appreciate what you do, mm-hmm. and they can see the effort that you put in. But, yeah, that's just my opinion. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of negative that Absolutely. comes from social media. I- we were kind of lucky to be in the generation almost that, like, yeah, we dealt with a lot of it because we came up with it, but we also knew what it was without it, like, yeah. before it. We had yeah. a life before that, so it was kind oh, of yeah. like, the kids now 
are who I'm like I feel bad for because they can't escape it. Like, no, it's, dude, it's everything's TikTok, everything's Instagram, everything's Facebook, everything's Snapchat, it's and that's like, horrible man. for junior high and high school. Yeah. You like, like cyber bullying and shit like that. Like, you, they can never escape their bullies now yeah. and shit. Like they they bring them home with them, you know, yeah. like that kind of stuff. It's just and they, all these younger kids now are experimenting with drugs that. We didn't really experiment with when we were younger because we didn't have the networking resources. Everything's much stronger. Everything's much more potent. Everything's a lot more more dangerous. There's so many horror stories. Everything's much more like on Instagram or getting hit Mm -hmm. up on Snapchat, saying, "Hey, you want to buy these pills or whatever?" And it's like, "Oh yeah, I'll try those. It's Molly or it's XC, whatever." You know, just being a a dumb kid. Oh yeah. You get something that's pressed with fentanyl or something, man. You get that one shot and you're done. You know that shit's dangerous, dude. There's so many different ways to dive into that scenario. And, I mean, not everybody goes through it, but a lot of us go through it where you just go through a period in your life where you are more ballsy and experimental and daring Mm -hmm. with shit like that. And you're like, I want to see what this feels like or, you know, whatever. And you just, you're willing to do it. And in the environment we live in now, it's like, it almost feels like people are trying to fuck each other over. And social media has made it so much easier for all the bad people to be able to get to the normal people because oh, they, yeah, they can network so much easier now. Oh yeah. And then you have those fools that click on links and get <laughs> they get hacked and their stories are all like send my you mean your Venmo, look, here's my bank account with fifty two hundred dollars. Like people use social media for gross shit, dude. Oh yeah. Gross shit. Like I don't know man. There's a good aspect to it and then there's a negative aspect to it. But that's everything in life. Yeah. Well, and, and people also are more accountable to it than they probably realize. Because, like, it is negative, and, like, I've fallen into, like, really thinking it's negative. But I'm like, I mean, I've I've transitioned almost all my accounts to mainly at least, like, 90% promotion for the podcast anyway. And maybe, like, a little more of, like, sometimes I'll, like, share a poster or something personal, like, else. Because, like, I'm still me, and I'm still being me through the promotion and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm... But I'm doing it for a specific reason. I'm not just shit posting to, to post whatever. I'm like posting for a purpose and to spread awareness, you know, uh, get listens, views. Or, I mean, that's the hope. And if nothing else, it's like even if sometimes our common listeners are hard to come by, everybody that we've accumulated, little or small, like that come back and frequently listen to episodes, like so many episodes are for them too. You know what I mean? Because they listen all the time no matter who's on no matter who's you know what I'm saying and like that's that's awesome yeah that's like that, awesome that's thing. something like the people would tune into not not even just for somebody in particular but all the time for the episodes you know what I mean oh absolutely so I'm like that's like that's always somebody to keep producing for you know what I mean oh yeah whether that's a hundred people or whether that's ten thousand people you know what I mean um so like I don't know it's I think it's got, like, it's healthy things, too, but I, I think you've got to use it in moderation. And if you don't think you can handle it, it's not like anybody's forcing you to do it. But the thing is, I feel like our generation, or even people a little older, a little maybe a little younger than us, too, um, for sure, will are still at the stage where we're like, well, we, I could jump off of it for a couple months or whatever, because we're used, we, we, still have, we still have knowledge of the world and how we operated without it, and sometimes during it, people would take breaks or just delete their shit for a while. So we can use, we get we're still in the take and give with it, even if we're really used to using it for a certain way. Like, if it was just me using it for other purposes, I most certainly would have shut my my shit down for a while and just stayed off it. Like, 
at this point. Um, it, like, at a time. I don't perceive it all negatively, too. I don't think it's all been negative news as of late or anything either. But I also just don't pay attention to that shit the same way. Um, I'm on there for a reason and shit. And uh, because I use it for that purpose, like, I always have something I want to relay to the audience or something, like, you know, that I want people to, like, take note of. So I'm like, I... Like, I, a promotional yeah, tool. I use it, like, because, like, I'll still, I'll still post, like, you know, like, I would and everything like that, but I'm, I'm, I'm just doing it for this specific reason, like, I'm not really going on there to say a bunch of different shit and post a bunch of goofy-ass videos and shit, yeah. like, not that I'm shitting everybody's posts, but that's just not my, I've transitioned my social media to not be that, like, that's not my forte, like, you know what I'm saying, I'm, it's just... But you're doing this Basically, for substance. You're yeah. doing this for like and, real and authenticity. Produce content. Yeah. You know you're not I mean? doing it for ten thousand viewers. You're no. not doing it for five. I mean, all viewers. the awareness is I'm grateful for, and, and, yeah. and it's awesome to have. But it's like it's fun to do regardless because it's like it's not like me and Elijah are fucking paying our bills with, <laughs> with what we've made on this podcast. You know yeah. what I mean? Even though, like, it's like it's cool to have the opportunity to get paid, reach out for sponsors, which we need to more anyway. Um, just because why not? Like, what's the worst that could happen? No response. It's like, we'll try somebody else. Um, but we've had sponsors and shit like that, but it's just like, it's very hard to really start accumulating the amount of fans that would give you some sort of, uh, you know, that would generate any kind of money like that, you know what I'm saying? Until you really kind of start to make it big and bring the awareness and shit. But, uh, I feel like I've just been going off on like a thing about this. But, <laughs> no, you're uh, fine, dude. But, yeah, I mean, I, like, I don't know. I mean, for all those reasons, and, like, a lot of businesses, like, they have to use it because their shit is, like, all online, and they, they fully rely on that to spread awareness of what's going on in their business. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, I... I, uh, I mean, it's definitely, in a lot in of modern society, a very important tool. And a lot of, like, we were saying earlier, independent contractors, like, hairstylists, people that are trying to, like, oh, this is my stuff, this is my beauty line of stuff, whatever. It's, like, they're very reliant on that to get new clientele, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, I, yeah, I think it's a very useful tool. I think it can for sure be it native. It can be lucrative, but, I do but it can think also be unhealthy. people invite that into their lives sometimes because you don't have to spend all that time on there. Like, you could literally delete the app, get rid of it. I don't want to hear... sure addictive. I don't want to hear fucking, oh, but everybody else saw it, I wouldn't be able to... Okay, but it's then, then choose your mental health or don't. Like, I catch myself on you accident... Know? Like, if I got a free few minutes, and I just, I, I'm not doing nothing, mm-hmm. without even thinking about it, I'll be scrolling on social media. Yeah. Like, it's just something to do, yeah. Uh, something yeah. to catch up. It's just, it's so ingrained in our society now. I would, I would say because of all those reasons. There is positives and negatives. Yeah, I would say for all those reasons, it's fair. No, I mean, there's no getting away from it now. No, you know? there's no, no. Yeah, we just have to learn to live with it in society yeah. and not let oh, yeah. it overtake our lives and be this toxic breeding ground that it definitely can be. Oh, but we're still in the state of mind where, like, ah, we could get rid of it for. I mean, aside from what I was saying about the podcast promotion, like, you know, I would be like, ah, oh, I'd probably take a break from a while for a while. But because of that, I don't want to because I want to keep the brand going and alive and shit, obviously, and we want to keep showing people that we're churning out episodes regularly. Oh, so you sure. can't just really ease off for too long, you know what I mean? Oh, most certainly, um, dude. Because that's whenever it really started to catch attention anyways, is because whenever people were like, oh, fuck, they're putting them out, like, once a week, you know? And, uh, so I'm like, you know, it's it's really useful, like, I, 
I've used it like an idiot like we all have in the past and shit. Um, but it's like, I, you know, I know what tools to use for it now. Uh, or like, or how to use the tools that I can use on it now for what we have created. So I'm like, it's re- like I, I like it in that aspect. But uh, I don't know. I think if you don't like it or you think it's negative and you don't have something like that, I mean, then just moderate your time you spend on it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it, and I'm not even, you don't even have to necessarily delete your account. Like just, but some people just remove the app and then re-add it whenever they're like, oh, I'll get back on here. But and that being it's said, no, nobody's making you get on it, look every day, have an account, look at everybody, you know, everybody oh, yeah, else's dude. shit, yeah. get jealous and all this other shit. It's like, yeah, that just became a thing. Yeah. No, I'm not saying I'm not faulting. Like, yeah, it's like, you know, because people are like, oh, there's these unrealistic body expectations and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, but do you think anybody's putting their bad pictures on fucking Instagram? If it's not no, a before and after? they can really Unless it's all those pictures. Oh, yeah, sure. yeah. 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 Anybody can look good now I can on put Photoshop on my iPad, homie. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah. it's that easy, man. Yeah. Like, anybody can look good. And the deep fakes look there's, really real, man. There's Some hundreds of... of Photo editor apps yeah. that you oh, can yeah. fix up. Shit, you can do with AI. They put they put celebrities in deep fake like different shit, um, and they're like, "Oh, this is them." It's like because they look convincingly real. Yeah, that's you know I mean? that's going to be the next thing in society. It's going to become real sketchy. It's already getting there. Not it's like, when it's real making great. people look like they're doing fucked up things that wasn't really them, or like I've heard that they're already doing it. Where they're like putting male and female, like celebrities and shit, in pornography. Mm-hmm. And they they're do. like, oh, this is this person's porn, and it's not them. No, and they were at all. Yeah. And then they're like, I want this shit taken out because it's like, I didn't fucking ask for this. Yeah. Now you're just putting me out. But they there. use your crazy. likeness. Yeah, in your, it's crazy in your face. that they can use your likeness, but in doing that, they're not really actually using it because it's almost AI generated yeah. as it is. That's it's not that's truly some shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. They, there's a there's yeah. I don't know where how that falls they got a that loophole <laughs> that needs to be, there's gonna be some new laws to do with that shit. That's gonna almost certainly, dude. Yeah. Oh my gosh, there's yeah because that's that's it's gonna get out of hand. Yeah, yeah. you can. We're still at the stage. Start incriminating. We're still at the stage where it hasn't gotten do. that. I guess that out of hand yet, or like really started to impact everybody. But as soon as that, as soon as more and more people learn how to do that, and it's. You know, they can use that against each other and, oh, do you see this? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be fucked. People trying to get each other fired and shit like that. Everybody like, could have any ammo on anybody else. Just like, oh, that's yeah. up, man. <laughs> well, I saw you at this cake cake meeting. <laughs> Holy shit. It's like, I'd be like, what were you doing at the cake cake meeting? <laughs> I got a photo. <laughs> What's it that? was sent to me by an unknown source. <laughs> so, what's that movie where they all roll up on horses with the white man? I can't see shit out of this thing. Oh, she oh, stayed yeah. up all night. Save Silent Bob fucking reboot. Or, no, 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 no. you're talking about Django Unchained? I think so, yeah. yeah. She stayed up oh, all night. Oh, Bob these reboot masks. had that shit in the movie. <laughs> I can't see shit. Or the Dave Chappelle skit where he's oh the, blind, my god. the blind KKK man. Oh my god, yeah, dude. <laughs> they're, like, dropping, they're like dropping the N-word in the gas station. They're like, get him out of here. And they're like pointing at Dave and he's like, where's he at? <laughs> get him! <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> that shit was legendary. Dave Chappelle's natural treasure. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. He toes the fucking line, man. Oh, man, yeah, he does. Steps over it. But he just doesn't give a fuck. No. Well, he's got the respect to, like... Like, even if some of the... Like, they'll give him bad ratings or whatever. Like, it doesn't matter because he's got such a huge fan base still that, like, they're going to come out to see his shit even if, you know, a a tenth of the audience thought it was ultra-offensive. Oh, yeah. He didn't even have to get slapped by Will Smith to be a household name again. Like... Well, Chris Rock did. (laughs) He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, he's got a Netflix special. You're like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. That shit was so goofy, man. That shit took over the world. Seems like. like, and Will Smith, dude, still hasn't recovered. Oh hell! No. When's the last time you heard some shit about Will Smith recently that hasn't been about that? So I, I saw just the just so many jokes and posts after that. Like this one post that was just like a hundred people at a birthday dinner. Ninety nine won't slap you, but one will. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. I heard Seth Rogen on some podcast talking about that, and he's like, I've heard people recently being like, man, when are these jokes going to end? Like, it's been enough. Like, let it die. It's no, over. And he's like, what are the Chuck no. jokes gonna end? He's like, don't ever let it die. This is one of those things you just no. keep going. He literally <laughs> took his whole career, crumpled it in a ball, and set it on fire doing that, dude. Will? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yes. Okay, but that, sh- that shit was so, f- like... I feel bad for Will in a way, cause like, and he was so. I, I feel like that. Was, I felt he definitely felt response. the pressure from Jada yeah. to do something. In that Why moment. is he still with her? Didn't she cheat with like his son's friend or something? Yeah, and they filmed the whole thing Jesus and then talking Christ. about it and put it on. Well, no, the, yeah, it was on like her podcast. She had Will on and then dropped the news to him on the podcast. But yes, I'm. I uh, I I have a relationship with our son's friend. Because I guess they had been kind of like oh separated, or this like they had weird been married. Too man, because like she's old enough to have like mothered him. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it was a little bit. It's yeah, your it child's weird. friend. Like that's just so. Let's. I don't mm-hmm. understand that thought process personally. I mean, yeah, that's just that's something else. What's What's he doing, man? It's being will, dude. I don't know. Apparently, he loves her. <laughs> I don't know what kind of love that is, but you know, it's making them blind and crazy. Oh you know? My. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, it was wild too because I remember growing up in an era where it was like the Smiths were one of those families that people looked up to. Like they're like the Smiths are some good people. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. And they made those shitty movies with his son, like a after Karate Kid. At, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, man. Yeah. I just... Didn't After Earth get some just piss poor ratings? I saw that shit in theaters. That's what you said. Oh man. That was like 10 years ago. They give you a refund? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, or maybe a free popcorn. Oh. There was Will Smith and Jaden outside the theater thanking us personally for going oh, to see thank it. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's funny. What was even the topic? Oh, social media. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely say social media is probably fair, too, because you can't blame social media for people's fuck-ups with it. You can blame the users. There's a lot of ways to really brand yourself on there, get your name out there, and establish yourself. It'd be hard to, to shit on it because, like, I know a lot of, just a lot, a lot of people would, like... Small businesses and like that's how they yeah fucking, that's yeah. how they orient you know that's how they run all their shit, but also I I 
I'm saying this now that I'm above the age. I'm sure I would think this if I was young. Wouldn't think this if I was younger, but I wouldn't mind like a lock to where you couldn't have an account on social media until you're like 16, 18 or something. I th- yeah, I, I'd say uh, because it's just so toxic. You'd think sixteen would be cool, but I still 18, feel like that's yeah. still young too. Because they like, can they God, can drive, but they can't everything. But I mean, I mean everything shit. you post at that age, you're gonna look back at that in ten years and be like, "What the fuck was I saying?" And then all the things you're getting into on social media in that time, they're not things advancing your life. You're just getting involved in the drama and trying to look cool. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So really, yeah, 18, you could use social media maybe a little more responsible. You're still going to be kind of an idiot on there. But. <laughs> I mean, that's how it all started anyways, was a bunch of college kids looking for something to speak on. That's how yeah. Facebook started. Yeah. That's how Facebook started. It happened in dorm rooms. The, they were only like... Well, I don't know. Like, they say that Mark uh, Zuckerberg stole the whole idea from somebody, but I don't know. It all started like that. The Social Network, that's actually a really good movie. That'll... uh kind of explain a lot of that stuff because like he he took a lot of the, some of the ideas like that they had but he totally like he applied them to what he was already like thinking up and shit and like he just made it like this whole ass thing, you know I mean he did something right because it changed everything yeah, like it needed the world needed like like a, a lot of things were created even before or around the time Facebook was, you know, and then before Facebook became MySpace, but Tumblr, yeah, we had but all kinds of shit. Facebook figured out a way to like, you know, stay at the be like become at the forefront and like stay there and like it was the algorithm their they shit, wrote. yeah, and like yeah. So it's like it's the most addictive shit, and it's you, you know, know yeah. and because they have like the most probably. Um, wide range of, I guess everybody of all ages is on everything, but like they probably have the thickest age range overall for everybody being on there. Oh yeah, everybody's grandma's got Facebook. Yeah, so like, and not everybody's a Twitter or Instagram (laughs) or like uh, And they're competitive And now Facebook and Instagram are one of the same anyway. They both have reels. Owned by Meta. Yeah. And Facebook. One thing we don't need is Meta. Obviously it didn't even work out so they dumped millions of dollars. Yeah, what was the point? What are they know. trying to do? Open up the metaverse on dude, Facebook? It was oh. like a, it was like an office. They were trying yeah. to do like a where you log into it to go to work. Could you imagine like working from home and it's like all VR? There's a whiteboard you can write on. And it's like you're in a cubicle and shit like that. Like they were That'd trying to like make shit horrible. like that. Why can't you yeah. just work on your laptop from home? That's like literally like we're like three steps away from the movie Wall-E, where we're all just yeah. floating wheelchairs and nine thousand pounds like. Fuck that, dude. Uh, yeah, no. yeah, or her. Or he just, like, machine, opens dude. up the whole, like, world in his room. Oh, yeah. And he's just walking through that shit. That like, shit was funny as fuck, though. He's, like, that little dude. That, that little, little dude was a son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. His little helper guy. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so it's definitely media. heading to that way, though, to where VR is going to be integrated into normal life. Casually, I, I got really disoriented from it. I almost got sick. You're gonna be able to experience a baseball game or a concert or whatever from like that. And you can of... buy a seat for cheap. Yeah, just that'd be weird. I don't know if I buy a seat for a virtual. Oh yeah, could you? I imagine? mean, it depends how good it is. If it's that good and it's just like, could you imagine cool? going to a Pantera concert in your fucking kitchen? Just with your VR set and moshing in your kitchen or some shit. You know, may, they might have packages where it's like, oh, you can get the Cardinals package or you could watch every game in VR. Or you could get the 
Pantera package where <laughs> you can watch every concert on their tour in VR. Like, oh, that, I don't know if that would be good or. Yeah, I'm going to tune into Pantera in Norway tonight. I'll see you guys in a few hours. People are going to end up shopping home decor a little more than usual because they're going to be smacking shit around and fucking yeah. oh, knocking yeah. over shit in their house. It'll probably become so casual, though, to where people won't even be moving when they're in it. They'll just be sitting in one spot mm -hmm. living in that world. It needs to just connect with your brain so that you can think you're making the motion and all the shits. There's, I think it's called... It may be Sword Art Online, I believe. It's an anime like that. <laughs> Yeah, where I think they, that is, they yeah. literally VR into like a virtual world and they get stuck in it. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely that one. We had a friend Cheatham that was like into that show. Oh, hell yeah. He was trying to get us to watch yeah. it for a while. <laughs> Somebody fucking said that, uh, like, mentioned the other day. They're like, like, you know, I just totally forgot about it. But I mean, obviously, when the vaccine like first came out, people were, oh, I'm not going to do that. Cause, not to like, get us started on a, the, the vaccine, like, talk or something. But it just, like, they made, it, they made a joke. But it was just like, oh man, it must be them <laughs> activating the chips from the vaccine. I was just like, that's actually kind of funny because I hadn't thought about that in like two or three years. I'm like, well, what if one day they're like, that actually did happen? They're like, all right, <laughs> fucking turn it on. Everybody just turns into like iRobot or something. Everybody yeah. just stops. It's like, it's like they, they put it way to the back of like the forefront of everything now, and it's so like. It's, we're starting to like lose sight of it, just like, yeah. maybe this is all the plan. They're like, all right, they fucking yeah. forgot. It's been five years. They're like, <laughs> they forgot about it. I'm like, give it at least a decade. <laughs> yeah. Be like, activate, it'd be like, if they want to get rid of some son of a bitch, they're like, activate his chip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Just freeze him wherever he's at, and they just come get him. Oh, shit. Locate you through the chip. Yeah. Flip the shit on. Then he's just sitting in an Italian restaurant. We're gonna see. But they don't even have to do that, man. We all have our own little black mirror right oh, here. Oh yeah. We all have a little black mirror in our we pocket. <laughs> Everybody, dude. Yeah. Who doesn't have a cell phone? They don't need to. They don't need a track. Like a tracker is just a decoy device. The government. They got a tracker, dude. If you need it. Oh yeah. They're he like in Pineapple <laughs> Express. He like takes the battery out. He's like. <laughs> like smash I'm gonna, a rock I'm gonna smash you with a rock <laughs> James just like chucks it he's like how do you know that even broke he's like I don't know how often do people smash things I'm rusty he's like I was, try I was trying to hit that tree I mean, I wish Frank like, would have been a piece of shit dude I really do cause I miss that that combo yeah. Rogan and, and oh, yeah. oh they, they were, every, they were It was classic. nothing but net for, they, a, for a fat minute. Dude, they work off each other so well. They oh, feed yeah. each other so well. That sucks. This is one of the best comedy duos. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love sure. them, dude. They're, oh, Pineapple Express is an all-time classic. It's a little weird. Oh, yeah. That this is the end was fucking hilarious. Oh, it, oh I love that Fantastic. movie. Super bad. Tremendous. Oh, mm -hmm. oh man. I, uh... What... what the weirdest part about Pineapple Express for me, and I feel like this is something a lot of people overlook, is the fact that Seth Rogen plays a grown-ass man that has an office job and is just a stoner or whatever, but he's dating a girl in high school. Yeah. I but think that's, that was a different era, but I feel like that was just to drive home, like, oh, this guy's a loser. Oh, facts. Yeah, but it facts. Was, it's just so fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah, that is, it was pretty strange. Uh, it's. I mean, it's not like you don't hear about shit like that. We're from Jefferson County, Missouri, bro. Yeah. Fuck, man. There was twenty six year olds dating girls in our fucking high school, man. That's yeah. just fucking. That's so weird, to me. That's just so gross. 
<laughs> the dad in that movie. <laughs> he was hilarious. Her oh. dad. Oh. He's like, you know, I'm going upstairs. You know what I'm going to grab? I'm going to grab my shotgun. <laughs> He's like, no, please don't. <laughs> yeah. Please. He's like... <laughs> I gotta say too, Rogan's got one of the most infectious laughs like ever, dude. Yeah. Like, Bert Chrysler, like I can't not laugh when they're laughing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, they very iconic laughs. Oh for sure. My up, topic wise. Yeah. All right. How many more you want to go here? Yeah, you doing good on time or? Uh, I do need to head out soon. I that was my only. Why do you? I, I was gonna say, why don't you just send us home? One more. All right. But we'll just, because well, we'll, we'll get some concluding thoughts yeah, for you anyway. You were, uh, you know, a drummer, you're in drum line, all yeah, that stuff. Man. I feel like <clears throat> one of the coolest parts of a rock band to me, but one of the more often overlooked parts of the rock band. What do you guys feel about the drummer in a rock band? <laughs> Big part. He literally sets the, oh, yeah. the beat for everybody else. Yeah, That's like, what you'd think. That's what you'd think. Um, me coming at it from like somebody that's been in that situation, I was, I was blessed enough to be able to be in jazz band and play drum set for jazz band, but have my little brother as my bassist. And what I'm trying to build off of is the bass line, because the bass is really what sets the pace. It's the it's the heartbeat. You'd mm-hmm. think it's the drums, but the yeah the bass line is. I mean, it's. That's like the the foundation. So I had to build off of that. And yeah. I got to do that off my own little brother. So it was really cool, man. And it made me look at bass guitar in a totally different respect. Like, I'd never really thought it was nothing. I was just, oh, it's got you don't four. think so because it's yeah. not as flashy nah, as yeah, like, the electric no, guitar. No, it's got four fucking, strings, yeah. whatever. It's, but it really no, does. They're so important and crucial, dude. Because what you're trying to do is follow that bass line and stay right on the backbeat of that and be in that pocket. Because there's a different feeling whenever you're in that pocket on that bass line than when you're just playing drums. And you can tell the difference. It's like, okay, unpopular opinion. I don't like the drummer for Metallica. He don't, he don't fit in that for me, you know? I look more at, like, Mike Portnoy from, like, Dream Theater and stuff like that. They take those little rhythmic ideas, or, like, the Neil Peart. From Rush, yeah. dude, one of the best drummers that's ever lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you hear that a lot. Yeah, but look at his his bassist, who's also their lead singer. That bassist is the heart of what they're doing, and Puritan's building off of what he's laying down. It, I'd say they're both just as important as each other, and you have to have some kind of like integral connection together to be able to really drive that in and be the focal point of the music. Yeah, I mean, every every part matters, you know? Mm-hmm. They always talk about in the rock bands, like all of them, especially back in the day, they all had, like, egos and shit. Oh, for sure, One of the man. girls, all this stuff. So it was like, everybody, oh, like wanted, everybody like, wanted to be yeah. the lead singer. Oh, dude, Because it yeah. was like, you were the centerpiece. Oh, yeah. But, like, the other parts of the band is what made the fucking band. The singer was just singing over what they were doing. Yeah, dude. So. I'd say, but uh, sometimes the singer would play guitar and shit too. And yeah, sometimes they absolutely do. the multi instrumental kind of guys mm-hmm. and stuff. And like, like okay, like uh, Freddie Mercury is one of those super multifaceted kind of guys where he could sit he there and he play piano, play sing, like come up with these crazy, just mixtures of different genres of music. Like um, 
What's that? I, I, it probably sounds stupid because I don't know the name of any songs, but that one word's like almost like opera. Yeah, it's Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. Like that's just, that's insane. Yeah, it's like that's rock like a opera. kaleidoscope of music. It's just insane. And like the fact that he even thought to do that. But going back onto like the drummer and like the importance of the drummer and stuff, it it definitely has its place and significance, and I have respect for it because I've been in those shoes, and. If you fuck up, it's way more noticeable than if the bassist fucks up. Because it's more so of something that's focused on. Because, like you said, the bassist, from general perspective, it's not as flashy. It's mm-hmm. not, but if, dude, you miss one little thing, or you mm-hmm. start playing too fast, or you fuck up, you drop a stick, whatever, people notice that shit. So there's a lot of pressure in that by itself to make sure that you're doing everything that you need to do and staying in that pocket. Because yeah. you almost have to stop thinking. And you almost have to start working like a machine with everybody yeah. that you're playing with. Just they're sort of playing around you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you're all trying to... I mean, you're literally playing the same song, but you're all trying to have the same end goal. Yeah. You're the keeping up with each other's had. tempo. Yeah, exactly. You have to feed off of each other, and if you're not able to do that, I mean, mm-hmm. you shouldn't fucking play drums. It's <laughs> because you got to put heart into it. It ain't just hitting shit with sticks. If that's all it was, anybody could sit down and do it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is one of the more appealing instruments when you're a kid, though. Because you're like, I can fucking bang on this What's crazy is, like, some shit sounds slightly (laughs) off, like you're not in sync together. It just, it could make the whole thing sound like just absolute shit. It just falls apart. Uh It just falls apart because it's it's literally the metronome. It's literally... Mm -hmm. The pace keeper. It's what's keeping everybody together. It's like, I, I want to say it's like the glue, but I want to say the bass guitar is the backbone. But it's like the glue that kind of holds everything together, because mm-hmm. most of the time, when it's falling apart, the form's falling apart or whatever, it usually falls back on the drummer. To it does. get everybody back in line. Yeah, you can't just hit them. you got to talk through them, you know? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah it's... I don't know, I always felt like, in a lot of rock bands at least, it almost felt like the drummer was like kind of underappreciated, because mm-hmm. he was just in the back behind the band, and he was kind of covered up by his drum set, you, yeah. you saw the least yeah. of him like at the concerts and shit. But them hair metal dudes and stuff back in the day, and like older bands and stuff, like the drummer still got bras thrown at him. They still yeah. got panties thrown out. I mean, if you were, Who the hell's if doing you that were to Tommy a bassist, Lee, you know? You know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he was the man, though. That's why he oh, would yeah. fucking spin upside down over the crowd. Show. Like, he had his moment. He came oh, to yeah, mind you know? almost immediately anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck, yeah. I mean, look at uh, look at Dave Grohl. He stopped playing drums for Nirvana whenever everything went down, and now he's Foo Fighters, you know? Mm-hmm. He's or like Travis Barker. He's still fucking tremendous. Yeah. Dude, he sits down and does, like, rudimental percussion. The basics, what we learned in drumline, like the very beginning of what you learn is rudiments, and they have all these funny names, man, and people giggle when you name them, like there's cheese cheddars, there's paradiddles, there's paradiddle diddles, like it's a whole different language, you learn, well you learn that language, and you'll sit there and like read your music and see what hands you're supposed to use, and you'll like sit there and be like cheese cheddar, cheese cheddar, paradiddle, paradiddle, you like all that stuff, and like all the triplets, and all you learn all these different terms and stuff, but it has its own fucking language. And everybody that plays drums that does it right knows that language. So it's pretty cool. Because you can just, like... 
I, I remember a couple times I went to the skate park in Colorado, and there's a drum line out there that's an independent group that does, like, world championships every year and shit, and they don't run out of school. It's, like, an independent organization, and I'd see a couple kids that would march for them. They're called Blue Knights, and they'd be, like, padding in the park, and they'd be sitting there doing rudiments and shit. I'd just roll up to them, dude. It's like, oh, that's rad as fuck. Can I see your sheet music and shit? And, like, I, I know what the fuck they're reading. I know how to talk what they're talking. You know, it's cool, man. It's like a connection. Mm-hmm. I remember my brother took precaution, and that was like, when you said that paradiddle shit, that just reminded me. Oh, that. yeah, I was like, dude. oh, my God, you have the drum pad. I still got one to this day, man. <laughs> I started that shit off with, uh, do you remember Mr. Myers? He was my band director. I don't know. Have you ever the seen? The name sounds familiar. Have you ever seen that movie with Max Teller where he's a jazz drummer in a college, and he has a band instructor? What's it called? Or it's Miles Teller. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you mean Miles Teller. Miles Teller. Yeah. Let me see what it's called, man. He's he's like a jazz drummer, and he's playing drum set, and this dude's like the biggest stickler. He's an asshole. He's fucking mean. Tears him down. It makes him really good, and that's what it's supposed to do, but the dude is like really fucking harsh. I watched that movie after I, you know, I'd already been out of the army, already out of high school, all that shit. I watched that movie, and I was having like flashbacks to band. I was like, oh my fucking God. <laughs> I don't need to be watching this movie. Um, I would probably say, hmm, would you say underrated? It's called Whiplash, by the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, right yeah, that, that sounds right. That. It's a great Whiplash. movie, but. You said underrated? Or I probably would say that. a little underrated. Yeah. In most I mean, today's sense, where eyes. most stuff is computerized, it's very underrated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that, that's, that's a, actually a good, that's, yeah. Cause you even it's have, probably another fucking one that's had you know almost has to be split too. Yeah. Because it's hard to yeah. Because yeah. yeah. Well, but. you even have uh, you even have bass drum pedals that are triggered that based off electronics and stuff like that, where the computer is doing a lot of work for you nowadays. So a lot mm-hmm. of I'm not saying it's talentless, but a lot of some of the work has been taken out of some of these things due to technology. And like yeah, it's supposed to advance us and make things you know easier for us and stuff like that, but. In doing so, you, you, you lose that authenticity. Mm-hmm. You lose. It's just like with art. If you mm-hmm. lose that personal touch and anybody can make that art, what makes your art worth anything? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it is art. It is. Know. In its own sense. I'd have to say they're, they're underrated, too. Yeah. I have to agree with that. Yeah. It probably is now, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if it was, if it were then, it would probably be maybe a little more fair. But I agree with what you said about technology and everything too. So it's it, it's probably gone more into because they're making a lot more music that way. It's not that it all is the same, but it's, it's you know, it, you don't have to be a cohesive unit with people. You don't necessarily have to play instruments. You don't necessarily have no, to. You dude. can just do other shit. Kids nowadays, fucking, they, they can sit down with a production yeah. app and they can take samples of stuff and it's, just make their own thing. And that, yeah, that's cool. I would see. That's awesome. But you're not really like sitting down and learning the rudimental way to do the things that you're doing. Yeah. So you wouldn't be able to sit there and play your guitar track yourself. Sit there and play your drums yourself. But you sure as hell can do it on your laptop and do it. But when it comes to performing, you yeah. come out on a stage and it's just you and a laptop. I mean, 
I guess some people do that, and there's different w- kinds of music and mm-hmm. all that. I just get more of a connection to music that's more organic, like it's made by humans, than yeah. I do something that's like, I mean, yeah. fuck, man, mega auto-tuned, fucking everything's produ- produced by a drum pad, like, and that's all cool and well. There's people that really make a career off that stuff, but that's just not me, personally, that enjoys mm-hmm. that. So it's kind of cool about you guys know a tiny desk? I don't. It's like a YouTube thing. Like, I think NPR puts it on, but it's a lot of modern artists that use a lot of produced beats, you know, like a lot of hip-hop artists and stuff. And they go to this tiny little studio that's set up like an office, like an office space, and they bring their own live band, and they perform like five five of their like hit songs, but they perform it with a band doing their beats, like a live band doing their beats instead of doing it like off of a system. That's really That's pretty cool. neat. That's really fucking cool. There's some really good drummers out there that do some of that newer music too where it's like it was made by samples, but they're sitting there playing it. Like there's this guy, if you ever look him up, his name's Tony Royster Jr. He's been around since he was like 13. I can't tell you how many times he's won the Guitar Center drum off because they have like a big drum battle. And this, he was on Gospel Chops, all these different percussion channels that I used to watch as a kid. And I'm, I've never seen anybody fucking... He, I mean, he he makes that drum set scream, dude. I ain't never seen nothing like that in my life. I'm pretty sure he was playing for uh, Jay-Z at one point and playing for people like that at live concerts and stuff. It's just... It, it's a different... Like, that dude's gifted, man. He knows how to talk <laughs> through them drums, for sure. If you can conquer something like that, though, that's neat. Because there's a lot of, like, hip-hop guys and stuff, they don't have a lot of drummers and stuff no. that can no. do their beats, you know? Shit, Barker can do it, too. Yeah. yeah. Hey, that's what they're supposed to be doing. They found their shit. Exactly, yep. man. Um, Before we uh, completely wrap here, is there anything you want to, any final messages you want to relay to the audience? You can promote whatever you want to yeah, promote. Yeah, I was going to well. say, promote yourself. Do, you know, this oh, is your... I got you, man. Um... I really just want to say thank you to you guys for having me on. This has been, like, super cool, man. And I just like to sit down and really have these deep conversations, you know, and think a little bit farther into things, look deeper into certain scenarios of life. And, yeah, um, for everybody that's listening, I hope uh, I hope you guys learned something today, and I hope you guys uh, kind of think about things a little bit deeper. If you guys want to check out any of my work or anything, my Instagram's bluejay, B-L-U-J-A-Y underscore tattoos on instagram uh but yeah thanks for listening guys thanks Thanks for coming coming on man yeah it's it was uh it was interesting and uh you know really unveiling because you know we hadn't really caught up with you in a while and you know getting to tell bits and pieces of the whole story like you were talking about it's like maybe you should maybe you should start writing about some of the stories that you remember and you know, kind yeah, of, man. Kind of like experiences in the yeah, kind of like yeah. Just because I'm like, man, it's it's cool because it's hard. Like we get in here, like we can easily fill time, but it's you always, you know, whenever, whenever a guest comes on or whenever we like get up, we're like, oh man, we could have said this or could have done this. It's like because you realize how natural these conversations are and everything, and you're like, oh man, like there's always more to share. And yeah, there's more. so many. That's stuff why it's that like resurfaces. people can do this for a long time because you're getting together, you know, in person or not or whatever, and like you're. You're just talking, you know what I'm saying? And you're kind of sharing life experiences and opinions and everything else. So it's it's been fun. Yeah, man. I'm glad we, glad we got you in here. Yeah, so, it was a minute, but we made it happen. Oh, yeah. This has been uh, 
Jacob Ashley on episode number 95 of Casting the Spotlight. Episode number 96 is up next. This is fucking going to be wild. Oh, yeah. Both here. We're getting, yeah, it's, oh, yeah. Too. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, so, ladies and gentlemen, hopefully everybody's taken care out there. Have yourselves a great 4th of July. We'll be dropping this here shortly, so most likely whenever you hear this, 4th of July has already passed. Have, so hopefully, hopefully you didn't blow your hands off yeah. or nothing like yeah. that. Set your yard on fire or something. <laughs> or do that. Um, so, well, everybody, thanks for tuning in. We will uh, we will see you on the next episode. Thank you for being with us. Right up on my government, Either I'm mortal and great, hey, who's to say? Doomsday, I'm a system room till I'm back to the essence. Reading off the tune. Either in great or I'm more great, who's to say? Pass the mic like pass the peace like they used to say. Some MFs don't like how Sally walk. I tell y'all who's hella cool, her lady from Cali talk. Never let it interfere with the Yeti Kettle Slang. Nicknames off the and tip of nipples, metal fang. No the ones hoes for the bang bang. No the ones foes for flow without no talking orangutans.